Radio.com. Friday, the 27th of October. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are gracious to all who come to you. Strengthen and trust all who fear to approach you in the sacrament of penance. You are faithful in your forgiveness. Make gracious all who represent you in the presence of sin and suffering. You are merciful to all who turn to you for help. Enlighten in wisdom all who have the opportunity to encourage others in prayer. You forgive every human failing. Preserve us from the temptation to trap others in their sins by gossip. O God, you have made us in your image. As you forgive, may we forgive. As you restore, may we restore. As you love, may we love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. It is a better way to start a Friday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Luckman at the controls. Travis has the video feed up and running so you can look and see what Annie and I look like by the time a Friday rolls around. Whew. Who's ready for a weekend? I'm ready for a weekend. We're getting into the uh, autumn triduum over the next few days, so I'm excited about that. Up this hour, we're going to talk to Dr. Matthew Bunsen live from the Synod on Synodality. He's been covering it for EWTN along with Catherine Hadro. And uh, there's been some things happening that probably require a little explanation. And Dr. Matthew Bunsen is the guy to help us with some of that. Rita Heikenfeld will have a recipe for Italian wedding soup for you in case you're wanting something warm and comforting this weekend in a crock pot. Ken Craycraft will discuss mental illness, solidarity, and charity as we wind down Mental Health Awareness Month this month of October. And we'll look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings with Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. So please do stay with us if you can. Two minutes past, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Today is a day of prayer, fasting, and penance called for by Pope Francis. The Holy Father has asked all the faithful to pray for peace today in the Holy Land, in Ukraine, and all over the world. He'll be leading a prayer vigil this evening in St. Peter's Square at 6 p.m. local time and has invited all the particular churches to take part by organizing similar initiatives involving the people of God. This is not the first day of prayer and fasting that the Holy Father has called from Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports this is a persistent theme in his pontificate. Throughout the 10 years of his pontificate, Pope Francis has repeatedly called on believers and non-believers alike to dedicate days of prayer and fasting for the precious gift of peace. Already in 2013, in the first year of his pontificate, Pope Francis called for a day of prayer and fasting for peace in Syria, in the Middle East, and throughout the world. Five years later, in 2018, Pope Francis invited everyone to find appropriate ways to say no to violence. During a day of prayer and fasting for South Sudan and the Democratic Republic of Congo. 
Later, following a massive explosion in Beirut in 2020, Pope Francis appealed for a similar day dedicated to solidarity with Lebanon. And in 2020, at the height of the crisis in Afghanistan, the Holy Father called on everyone to intensify their prayer and practice penance. Finally, last year in 2022, Pope Francis prayed that Mary, the Queen of Peace, might preserve the world from the madness of war, as he appealed for prayer and fasting for peace in Ukraine. Sadly, one day after his appeal, Russia would launch its full-scale invasion of the country, a war that continues to this day. Since that time, the Pope has launched countless heart-rending appeals for Ukraine and its people. Pope Francis once again calls for Catholics and all women and men of goodwill to renew their prayer and fasting, pleading yet again for mercy, conversion, and reconciliation. I'm Christopher Wells. The search for a mass killer on the loose in Maine continued through the night. Authorities continue to search for 40-year-old Robert Card, who they believe was the gunman who killed 18 people and wounded more than a dozen others in two mass shootings in the town of Lewiston Wednesday night, first at a bowling alley, then at a bar. Residents in the Lewiston area are being urged to stay indoors. Card is a sergeant at a U.S. Army Reserve base who police say was recently committed to a mental health facility and is considered armed and dangerous. The U.S. has hit two facilities in eastern Syria used by Iran in what it says are self-defense strikes. Mark Mayfield reports. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said in a statement that at President Biden's direction, the strikes were carried out as a response to a series of attacks on U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria by Iranian-backed militia groups. The statement went on to say that the U.S. does not seek conflict and does not intend to engage further. The strikes were carried out at facilities used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. I'm Mark Mayfield. U.S. GDP is rising faster than expected this quarter. The GDP, or gross domestic product, is a measure of all goods and services produced in the economy. According to figures released yesterday, it rose 4.9% from July through September, up from only an unrevised 2.1% pace. That's according to the Commerce Department. Economists attribute the sharp uptick to higher consumer spending, higher inventories, exports, residential investment, and government spending. And the Rangers and Diamondbacks are set to go head-to-head for a World Series title. Texas will host Arizona tonight for Game 1 of the Fall Classic at Globe Life Field. The ceremonial first pitch will be thrown out by former President George W. Bush. So here we go. It all begins. Today is Friday, October the 27th. We are happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's six past. Dr. Matthew Bunsen is joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News, joining us from Rome, where he has been part of EWTN's coverage of the Synod on Synodality. Good morning, Dr. Bunsen. Good morning. Great to be with you. I guess it's good afternoon for you, but nonetheless, (laughs) happy to have you along with us. Thank you for for taking the time to to talk about this. So the Synod participants this week, as they uh, wrap up the assembly, the first of two assemblies in the Synod on Synodality, the next one going to take place a year from now, uh, they just put out this open letter to the people of God. What did they have to say in that? 
Well, think of the uh, open letter as uh, something that's very traditional uh, for a lot of synods. Uh, we had one, for example, on coming out of the Synod on Youth in 2018. Uh, it is an expression, or supposed to be an expression, uh, from the participants uh, to the wider world, as they say, to the people of God. And in that sense, uh, this is standard. Uh, this is obviously a very different synod, so it's a somewhat different letter in the sense that it's, uh, I think, a snapshot of many of the discussions that have taken place over those last months. Uh, I was struck in particular by its emphasis on these synodal themes of listening, uh, of uh, discernment, and other things. But it also gives us a snapshot, I think, a little tip to what we can expect from the final report, uh, which is supposed to be approved and, and distributed tomorrow, and that is points of convergence, uh, points of conversation, and then some proposals going forward for the next year. What do you think those are? I mean, what what indicators do you see in this letter specifically, Dr. Bunsen? Well, I think one of the things that's uh, become clear uh, in these last two weeks, and especially, is that yes, there has been discussion without question uh, on. The, I hate to use the term, but the hot button issues, and sure. everyone, especially at the press briefings, uh, asks about on a daily basis. At the point that it becomes, I, I think, almost repetitive. Mm -hmm. uh, those include, of course, the, the question of the ordination of women, uh, the creation of a perhaps uh, a female diaconate. Uh, pastoral care for so-called LGBTQ uh, persons. Those certainly have been discussed. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, but one of the big issues that has emerged in this last week is the question of structures and what it all looks like in what Pope Francis envisions as a synodal church. And I suspect that's also one of the major sticking points uh, for discussion uh, as they try to finalize this document, which is Let's remember, it's a summary document uh, that's supposed to pull all the discussions together, and it's an interim document. So it, at this point, unless something major happens, uh, this is uh, a document that is simply a reflection of what was discussed, and its action items have to be seen in that light, too. Yeah, they write, this is not about ideology, but about an experience rooted in the apostolic tradition. I was glad to hear that and then or read that and then um, because there's been a lot of discussion about that, whether or not we are going to move away from apostolic tradition. Is that even possible in the church? No, and I think that's a point that uh, a number of bishops have made. Uh, we know uh, from what various participants have uh, quietly said or publicly said, as well as what's been said at the, the press briefings. Uh, there are certain things that cannot change. Uh, I think of Cardinal Prevost, uh, who's the newly appointed, he's an American, newly appointed uh, head or prefect for the Dicastery for Bishops, which is a pretty significant post in the Vatican. Right. Uh, he was talking about the fact when, when asked about, for example, the ordination of women, he said there are certain things in the absolute tradition that you cannot change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's certainly been made clear here. Nevertheless, there are a lot of uh, discussions and proposals apparently floating around for inverting the pyramid. Uh, there were a couple of theologians, including Ormond Rush and uh, the obscure Italian theologian with the name of Dario who nevertheless uh, talks about this inversion of the pyramid and examining uh, structures of authority in the life of the church. And I think that has raised a few eyebrows, and, and yeah. I think it's one of the reasons why there is some tension about it.
Well, I before we let you go, because I know you only have a, a few minutes before you've got to go uh, yeah. do the coverage for EWTN. Um, can you talk about the Pope's intervention this week? Because he said a few interesting things about what he sees, how he sees the church, how he sees the people of God. Yeah, I, I think this is uh, certainly uh, a classic Francis moment. Uh, we always have to uh, preface anything he says along those lines that this is an extemporaneous uh, declaration from the Holy Father. So we have to take that for what that is, that uh, this is the Holy Father speaking from the heart. So he he had a lot to say about what he refers to as the holy people of God. And uh, he is very much a student of the Second Vatican Council, and I think that's why we have had a lot of discussion this week about Lumen Gentium. Uh. Having said that, uh, he also used uh, his intervention as a bit of a broadside, uh, again, uh, against clericalism. That is for him, uh, I said it yesterday on air, it's a bit of a bete noir. Uh, this is very important for him. He opened the synod. Uh, by handing out uh, two things, uh, a, a book that he had written years ago, and attached to it was a letter that he sent to the priests of Rome uh, deriding clericalism. He is in some ways uh, bringing the loop closed uh, this week uh, by referencing again his concerns about clericalism, and I suspect that that's going to be a fairly prominent uh, feature also in the synthesis report. He said specifically that it is a scandal when you go to tailor shops uh, here in Rome, and those of us who spend time here are very familiar with many of them, including the one that actually creates the clothes for the Pope, especially on the night of his election, uh, that uh, it is a scandal to see young priests in lace and other things. So this is uh, something that Francis keeps coming back to, and I I doubt this will be the last time he uh, talks about clericalism. Well, it's a scandal to see priests that have been lay have been uh, removed from ministry go back to ministry after being abusive uh, by a number of accounts. But we don't have time to get into that one yet. Uh, just quickly, um, can you talk about this line from him? One of the characteristics of this faithful people is its infallibility. Yes, it is infallible in credendo, infallible in believing. What did he mean by that? Yeah. Uh, that uh, is one of those obscure, difficult phrases to parse simply because um, uh, it, it's Francis speaking off the cuff. So I, I will leave it to the Holy Father to decide what exactly he meant by that. <laughs> okay, fair enough, Dr. Bunsen. We've got EWTN <laughs> News linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Encourage people to uh, watch EWTN's coverage of the Synod on Synodality. How much longer are you in Rome, Dr. Munson? Uh, I'll be here till early next week. Uh, I'm here toward the end. It may not be the bitter end, but I'm here to the end. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we will look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Privilege to be with you. God bless. Likewise. All right. It's a quarter past. We're back with headlines right after this.
We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. I am a very happy, grateful revert to the faith. About 12 years ago, I was surfing the channels, and I found EWTN. I didn't even know it existed, and I heard Mother, and remembered that years ago, I had told a Catholic nun at a church in Boston that I was visiting that I missed the faith, and she said, you will come back. And when I was listening to Mother Angelica, I remembered that. 17 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Today is a day of prayer, fasting, and penance called for by Pope Francis. The Holy Father this week spoke at the Synod on Synodality, telling participants how he sees the church. And the U.S. has hit two facilities in eastern Syria used by Iran in what it says are self-defense strikes. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, there's just like a million things to unpack from the last two weeks, spending, you know, last week in Alabama at the Catholic Radio Conference, Mm -hmm. and this past week, taping a bunch of episodes for The Journey Home. And I've been thinking a lot about the whole question of Eucharistic revival and all that stuff. I put a, uh, a video that we just put out with a guy who converted for his wife and then later had his own sort of personal Eucharistic revival. It's a great kind of little window into how that can happen for someone who maybe is going to Mass, but doesn't get it, and then can sort of get it. But uh, something one of our guests said this week really struck me, and mm. I can't wait to share his episode in, in, um, in the fall. Or I'm sorry, not in the fall. And during Lent is when it will actually come out. But he talked about how like propositions don't end in other propositions. Propositions end in reality. We don't come up with these ideas and these doctrines uh, because they're like these abstract things. We come at them because they're supposed to explain something that's real, right? We don't worship the doctrine of transubstantiation, <laughs> for example, right. right? That doctrine takes us towards what we do worship, which is Jesus Christ, our mm-hmm. Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. And he said something. This really stuck with me. He said that there's a lot of people out there who think that the difference between Catholics and Protestants, or one of the differences, is that Protestants believe or Catholics believe in the doctrine of of transubstantiation in the Eucharist, where Protestants don't believe in that. He's like, that's not actually the difference. 
The difference is Catholics have the Eucharist and Protestants don't, yeah. right? And yeah. so the belief is just one way we sort of articulate the the way that we think about that reality, mm -hmm. uh, whereas the reality itself is Christ. Well, so, and that's so important to make that distinction because what do we say to the like children, for instance? You know, like do they you you can't or those who don't understand exactly the doctrine of transubstantiation. I mean, honestly, who of us does That's true. truly understand? I'm not going mean, to pretend to here on the radio. I mean, we sure. can we can say like, okay, this is what it is and, you know, just kind of like throw it out there and say, all right, this is what the church says it is, but do we really understand it? And and that's an important thing because you don't have to have the understanding you don't in order to have the Eucharist. I think this is so beautifully put out in Eastern Catholic spirituality they because they well, they call it a mystery and when babies are baptized, they receive their first Holy Communion when right then our, and there. When one of our people stands up at the Easter Vigil, and uh, David Curry uh, reminded me of this once. Uh, he said, uh, you don't stand up and say, I understand all that the church teaches to be revealed by God. He says, you don't have to say that, thankfully, nope. right? You just say, I believe. I believe. I believe that this is... I trust the church. This is, I trust this is where I'm Lord. supposed to be. Yeah. And we'll figure it out as we go. But I believe. As much as we can figure it out. Right. And, and the as rest much is, as you can believe. The rest of it is trust. Indeed. It's 21 past. Are you using the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app? Well, by updating or reinstalling the Sacred Heart Radio app, you get the upgraded features like the daily podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again from the Sunrise Morning Show or Driving Home the Faith. To reinstall the Sacred Heart Radio app, go to sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code, and depending on your phone, choose the App Store or Google Play to begin enjoying the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is commemorating the 50th anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. The ceremony is Saturday, October 28th, 2 p.m. at the Veterans Garden at 11,000 Montgomery Road and will feature keynote speakers, presentation of service pins to veterans, and a rosary following the ceremony. Please help honor this generation of brave men and women and their families. More information at gateofheaven.org slash events. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. 
It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. And we always like to take a look at events and uh, foods mentioned in the Bible and take a look at how they're all connected and maybe uh, use those as a way to meal plan liturgically according to the season. Rita, good morning. Morning, and we've got a couple good ones today. Yeah, and they kind of dial into, at least to start, uh, the idea that October is dedicated to the rosary. Mm-hmm, that's for sure. And, you know, um, one of the most popular mysteries is, is the luminous mysteries, Matt. And w- the reason is, I think, and they focus on the life of Jesus and the work he did, really from the time he was baptized to, to offering the first Eucharist. And um, one of the most recognizable events is when Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding in Cana. Most of us remember that um, as far as reading about it and learning about it. It was a really the very first miracle Jesus performed. And I was wondering if you could give your take on it as far as what happened there. Well, there's just so much to unpack uh, because, you know, not only is this Jesus's first miracle, you know, it kind of kicks off uh, a lot of other miracles down the road, but it's just mm-hmm. such a cool window into what Catholics believe about the role of Mary in the life of the church, right? Because she goes and makes petition on behalf of people, right? But then she turns around to the people and says, do whatever he tells you. So there's just such a great way to understand uh, where Mary fits into everything uh, in regard to this. But, um, you know, of course, there are these water jars, uh, 20 to 30 gallons, uh, mm-hmm. Jesus says, fill those up with water. The servants do that, and then Jesus asks them to dip some out and take it to the master ceremonies. And, uh, of course, the servants follow those instructions. And uh, can you imagine having been that master ceremonies, Rita? I don't know how you would have reacted, but I can imagine it was a strange scene. Oh, my gosh. Uh, first of all, I have to think that um, Mary, you know, she was a mom, and she told Jesus, you need to do something, even though he didn't think the timing was right yet. He, he did, as his mom said. Yeah, and when the servants um, filled those uh, jugs, those, took those water jars over to the master of ceremonies and told him to taste it, I, they were probably wondering what the heck's going on. He tasted it, um, and he was just amazed that water had turned into wine, but not just any wine. It was a real high-quality wine, Matt. Um, and then you think of this analogy, you know, at, at every other celebration, and, and this is true today even, um, people might serve the best wine first, and then later when the guests were, oh, what I would say, rather tipsy and maybe couldn't tell the difference, um, the lesser uh, wine would be brought out. But at Cana, the best wine was saved for last. And I think the lesson here, and I want your take on this too, is we need to take our hopes and, and plans to Jesus, but accept his answer be patient because, as we always say, his timing is perfect timing. It may not be ours, but it's perfect. What do you think? I, I like it, and I think that Jesus is always kind of building us towards something better and greater, right? Mm-hmm. Even if we can't see, uh, right? Even if it all looks like water around us, he's got some. He's always got something that we don't know about uh, that is uh, waiting for us down the line. But since we're talking about weddings. Uh, And since we are entering into fall more deeply, and this is soup season, you've got an Italian wedding soup uh, that's a great recipe and is actually not that complicated. Oh, no. I call it wedding soup. It's not a true Italian wedding soup. It's sort of a riff on the classic because it's really, really simple. Um, And I'll have this on my site along with your minestrone, which is amazing, I have to say. Um, but with the um, easy Italian wedding soup, you just um, take some escarole or a romaine or spinach and cut it up. 
and then set it aside. And then you make real simple, teeny tiny meatballs out of ground chuck, some Parmesan, breadcrumbs, milk, and an egg, and uh, some salt and pepper. And basically you um, make those marble-sized meatballs and cook them in some chicken broth. And then you add noodles or rice and cook it all together. And to serve it, um, you take two hard-boiled eggs and just divide it among the bowls, slice those eggs thin, ladle the soup on top, and then give it a shower of Parmesan. Really simple and delicious. And as I said, really sort of nice for fall weather. And you need to tell us about your minestrone because it is so versatile. And I have made it, oh, gosh, a couple times. But you, of course, took a, a classic recipe and did a matte thing with it. Well, the way that I've done it uh, in the past, and I haven't made it yet this year, uh, but um, it's, it's a lot of minestrone-type ingredients mm -hmm. uh, but because it's kind of like the autumn minestrone. Uh, I, I've used buttercup squash before. I've, also, I've used butternut squash. I've even used delicata squash. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people may not realize that most of the gourds that you buy for decoration are also edible. <laughs> so you could uh, chop up a fair amount of those and uh, and use this. But the other um, the aspect of this that I, I throw in kale, and I kind of eyeball it so these you know ingredients can go to taste. But it's also got onions, garlic, uh, some kind of winter squash, uh, celery. Mm -hmm. Carrots, cubed potatoes, oregano is a secret ingredient here. It's not even that much of a secret, but it really kind of pushes everything together. And then, you know, wa water, vegetable broth, uh, chopping the kale, cannellini beans, which are a personal favorite of mine. And, yeah, I mean, you just saute the onions and garlic, and then you kind of dump it all in. I mean, it's not super complicated, which is the great thing about soup this time of year. Yeah, and it is, it's so versatile, too. And I love um, the oregano because... That's a, a secret ingredient when you say secret. It really does lend a lot of flavor to soups. And a lot of times, um, being Lebanese, we didn't use so much oregano growing up um, like other uh, Middle Eastern or Mediterranean uh, cooks, but we used a lot of marjoram, which is a cousin to oregano, but sort of more floral. So both of these are wonderful recipes. Um, and take us back to Cana this time of year. Well, and the uh, other trick with both of our soups that we mentioned today is you make a big pot, you save some, and the leftovers are actually even better than mm -hmm. the first run because things have had a time to, well, time to get together in there. So uh, we've got abouteating.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Head on over, get Rita's recipes, maybe share some of your own favorite soup recipes. Thanks so much, Rita. Have a wonderful day. Okay, Matt, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, make that good soup. Everyone is going to get to know each other in the pot. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Today is the day of prayer, fasting, and penance that Pope Francis has called on the faithful to mark. The Holy Father has asked all the faithful to pray for peace today in the Holy Land, in Ukraine, and all over the world. He himself will be leading a prayer vigil this evening in St. Peter's Square, at 6 p.m. Rome time and invited all particular churches to take part by organizing similar initiatives involving the people of God. Meanwhile, Israel is preparing for a ground invasion of Gaza. Mark Mayfield has a story. That's what Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said in a televised speech Wednesday. He said he wouldn't elaborate on when or how many. About 360,000 Israeli reservists are at the border with Gaza awaiting orders. The Gaza Health Ministry says that so far over 6,000 Palestinians have been killed by Israeli airstrikes. The attacks began earlier this month after Hamas invaded Israel and killed 1,400 people. I'm Mark Mayfield. 
The Holy See's representative to the United Nations has reiterated the call for a two-state solution as the path to peace in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In a statement he addressed to the Security Council, the Vatican Permanent Observer to the UN reiterated that war is always a defeat for humanity. Archbishop Katra focused his intervention on three points. First, he conveyed the Holy See's unequivocal condemnation of Hamas terrorist attack on October the 7th. As Pope Francis clearly stated, terrorism and extremism fuel hatred, violence and revenge and only cause mutual suffering, he said. Archbishop Katcha therefore once again relaunched the urgent call for the immediate release of all the Israeli hostages held by Hamas. The second point highlighted by the Vatican Nuncio was that criminal responsibility for terrorist acts can never be attributed to an entire nation or people. The right to self-defense in every conflict must always comply with international humanitarian law, he stressed, including the principle of proportionality. Finally, Archbishop Katcha urged the facilitation of humanitarian corridors to besieged Gaza, where people continue to die. The nuncio concluded by appealing to both sides to demonstrate audacity by renewing their commitment toward a peace based on justice. He reaffirmed that the Holy See remains convinced that the two-state solution still offers hope for such a peace. I am Lisa Zingarini. The U.S. has hit two facilities in eastern Syria used by Iran in what it says are self-defense strikes. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said in a statement yesterday that at the president's direction, these strikes were carried out as a response to a series of attacks on U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria by Iranian-backed militia groups. The search for a mass killer on the loose in Maine has continued through the night. Authorities are still searching for 40-year-old Robert Card, who they believe was the gunman who killed 18 people and wounded more than a dozen others in two mass shootings in the town of Lewiston Wednesday night, first at a bowling alley and then at a bar. Residents in the Lewiston area are being urged to stay indoors. They say the suspect is considered armed and dangerous. Pfizer and BioNTech are is beginning a phase three trial for a combined flu and COVID-19 mRNA vaccine. Brian Shook reports. The pharmaceutical company reported positive results from its phase one and two study. The previous trials were meant to look at whether the new shots are safe and effective. Pfizer said the phase three trial will look for any potential side effects and will begin in the coming months. An official for the company said they were encouraged by the results. I'm Brian Shook. Pope Francis this week spoke at the Senate on Synodality, telling participants how he sees the church. He said, quote, I like to think of the church as God's faithful people, saint and sinner, a people convoked and called with the force of the Beatitudes and of Matthew 25, saying one of the characteristics of this faithful people is its infallibility, infallible in believing, he said, and then went on to lament clericalism, which he described as a form of worldliness. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Sing 
along with classic hymns at the second annual St. Cecilia Carol Sing at St. Andrew the Apostle in Milford, Sunday, November 19th at 3 p.m. Learn more at sacredheartradio.com slash events. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, featuring a large selection of sterling silver medals, crosses, and crucifixes. St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in beautiful Miamisburg. 937-530-8026. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Friday, October the 27th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to need the umbrella today. Right now, temperatures in the mid-60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, scattered showers today with a chance of storms and a high of 76 degrees. Spotty showers and downpours tonight with an overnight low of 60. Some morning showers tomorrow and a high of 66 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, partly sunny today with a slight chance of a few showers and a high of 76. Cloudy with rain showers likely tonight and an overnight low near 60. Cloudy and cooler with a slight chance of an isolated shower tomorrow and a high of 63 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 7.40 a.m., 9.10 a.m. Go online, subscribe to the show notes at sacredheartradio.com. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us. Ken Craycraft is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday Visitor, among other publications. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Annie. Nice to be with you again. It is nice to have you back. And October is, among other things, Mental Health Awareness Month. And you've got a piece over at OSV about our call as Christians to practice solidarity and Christian charity with those who experience mental illness. And first off, Kent, can you just define solidarity so we're all on the same page and how that applies to what we're talking about today? Yeah, so, you know, of course, solidarity, as we've talked about many times on the show, is one of the four pillars of Catholic social doctrine. And solidarity means that um, we are all created in the same image and likeness of God without any differentiation in terms of that particular quality. And that means that, and and that solidarity indicates that um, when one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of us are affected by sin, we're all affected by sin. When one of us is affected by any kind of social reality, we all are. And, and moreover, the way that I usually describe it is that there are two aspects to solidarity. One is descriptive and one is prescriptive. I've just given the descriptive aspect. That is, we're all made in the same image and likeness of God. From that, we derive the prescription that we're called to embrace one another in empathy and in solid and, and in practical solidarity uh, as we face 
various traumas or difficulties or or even when we face joys that the prescriptive nature of solidarity tells us that we are called to as christians to live for one another and find our fulfillment and our uh and in, in the, the fulfillment of our purpose i should say uh in in one another and joining in empathy with one another and ken what are some of the pitfalls that we as christians can fall into when it comes to those in our lives who are dealing with mental illness to one degree or another. Yeah, in the piece I describe a couple uh, or three pitfalls that that we can often that we often meet. The first is is just the difficulty in understanding mental illness. I mean, when when you see a broken arm uh, or when somebody has leukemia or cancer, uh, these are things that are easily measured by medicine or even observed by the observer. When someone has mental illness, it often isn't easy to observe. Uh, it's not, and moreover, uh, we don't understand the causes uh, and the sources of mental illness the way that we understand other diseases. Now, of course, we've made a lot of progress in understanding it and in treating mental disease uh, or psychiatric or psychological or behavioral disorders, but it's still largely misunderstood. And that, that's obviously a barrier in being able to treat mental illness uh, and mental health more generally. A second uh, a barrier is the stigma that attaches to it. And it's closely related to the first. Uh, it's hard to see and it's hard to find causes. And therefore, sometimes we stigmatize people with mental health issues, either in the language that we use or the presumptions that we make about what has caused what we think has caused their mental illness, and that, that causes problems too. So we need to be careful about the language that we use even when we talk about people with um, mental illness. And thirdly, I had a student uh, email me recently that said that a, a parishioner suggested that a person that, that the parishioner knew uh, claimed to have mental illness or, or, uh, or some kind of psychological illness and blamed it on the person as though it was a result mm. of his sin or something that he or she had done. And, uh, and that was Doesn't very Jesus disturbing talk to me. about again, that like specifically in exactly. scripture? <laughs> That's exactly right. But but in any event, that I would identify that as a third impediment that some people yeah. do harbor this sort of sense that that when someone is mentally ill, they're not really mentally ill; they're just sinful. And if we just purge the sin, then we purge the mental illness, and that's a pernicious uh, error. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Well, you as well. Listeners know how much you love to look to literature and fiction to to sort of bring out the in a well, I guess I shouldn't say practical sure. because it's fictional, but bring out these examples of of what real solidarity looks like. So you've got two examples that you share in the the OSV piece. Can you talk about those? Yeah, I do. The, the 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 first is a novel by Marilyn Robinson called Housekeeping, and it's a fascinating novel. I think it's her best of of many novels. Readers might be uh, familiar with the Gilead series, but Housekeeping, I think, is her best novel. And it's the story of a, a woman um, whose sister committed suicide, and who therefore moves in to take care of her own nieces. That is her sister's. Uh, daughters. Um, and one of them uh, is named Ruthie, and the aunt's name is Sylvie. And Aunt Sylvie herself suffers from clear uh, mental illness or some kind of psychiatric or psychological uh, disease or disorder, which is not diagnosed. It's not diagnosed in the book, but she lives with it and she copes with it. And so she moves in uh, to take care of Sylvie and Sylvie's uh, sister, Lucille. Lucille uh, can't 
can't cope with Aunt Sylvie's eccentricities, which are her manifestations of of, uh, of mental health issues. Um, but unlo- and so she moves out. Lucille moves out as a teenager into a teacher's house, and this uh, story is set in Idaho in the 1940s and 50s. But Syl- but Sylvie sees in I'm sorry um, the the other niece Ruthie sees in Sylvie something that she sees in herself. And the point that I make in the piece is that. The eccentricities that are often exhibited by people with mental health issues are on a continuum with our own eccentricities and our own uh, and our own situations. Even those of us who wouldn't be clinically diagnosed with mental health issues. Now, I want to make it very clear: I'm not saying that everyone is mentally ill, because what that would do is to say that well, then mental people with real mental illness are just different qualitatively. Yeah. But there is a sense in which we can sh- we see in people with mental health issues aspects of our own behavior or our own struggles, and that should cause us to be able to empathize with people with mental illness in a way that we wouldn't otherwise if we're not open to the possibility that we have our own struggles. And so Sylvie copes with her mental illness through all kinds of elaborate and eccentric behaviors. Uh, And Ruthie, rather than to resist those or rather than to really even try to change Aunt Sylvie, sort of goes with the flow. And that going with the flow is the definition of solidarity. And so Sylvie finds her salvation in Ruthie's solidarity with her. And the uh, the otherwise struggle, the struggles that Aunt Sylvie has with her own mental health is addressed by Ruthie just in being present to her and just in accompanying her. And the story, it's a marvelous story about how uh, the uh, Ruthie is able to help Aunt Sylvie keep the house, the house that they live in, but keep Aunt Sylvie's own house and trying to keep her own life together as she struggles with mental health issues. And the other story is one that's probably more familiar with readers because um, Marilyn Robinson is not a Catholic author, but Walker Percy is. And that's his classic novel, The Moviegoer, his first and probably best novel. And that's that's the story of Binks Bowling, a stockbroker in suburban New Orleans, who who is the first person narrator of the book. And he clearly has all, all kinds of eccentricities that may verge on the on the the border of mental health issues, but he becomes friends with a step cousin named Kate Cutter, who who clearly does have some kind of undiagnosed mental illness. It might be schizophrenia, might be major depressive order, but she's, she's, she clearly has some kind of mental illness, again, undiagnosed and, and untreated, except that she tries to self-medicate. And her, her uh, family either tries to ignore it or to, uh, or to, uh, just simply think that it'll go away. Well, Binks Bowling, her step cousin, uh, sees in Kate uh, the disease that she has or the struggle that she has, and rather th- than to ignore it, uh, Binks enters once again into solidarity with Kate, and he keeps her alive, and she keeps him uh, on an even keel. And together, these two people who themselves have serious, serious problems. One has clearly clinical depression or clinical schizophrenia. One has eccentricities that border on behavioral uh, disorders. And together, they, they empathize with one another and they, they are therapy to one another. And it's a, it's a beautiful story about how two people who themselves are not, quote, normal, unquote, but who normalize one another's lives through the simple act of solidarity, of being present to one another. It's a lovely story, and there's a beautiful dialogue toward the end of it where Kate uh, talks to Binks about her struggles and what she needs Binks to be in her life. And it's a 
beautiful lesson for all of us about how we can be present to people who struggle with mental illness. And if we do that, then we, we fulfill the U.S. bishops who have called us this month to, to empathize with and join in solidarity with people with mental illness so that, that, that it can be addressed before uh, tragedies happen, either by self-inflicted wounds or, as we sometimes see, uh, uh, tragedies caused by people with mental illness who don't otherwise know how to cope and cope in ways that are antisocial. Absolutely. To comfort the afflicted, one of the works, the spiritual works of mercy. We've been talking to Ken Craycraft. Go read his piece over at OurSundayVisitor.com. Ken, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. All right. It's 13 till Father Hezekiah Carnazzo is next. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Pro-Life Across America. The most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. On Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Father Joseph and Doug Keck mind decades of phone calls answered by Mother Angelica. No subject is off limits and no problem too big for the wisdom and compassion of the one and only Mother Angelica. Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Sunday afternoon, 2 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture, here to preview the readings for the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. A blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And we are going to the book of Exodus for our first reading, chapter 22. And uh, we get these commandments from the Lord to the people of Israel that they shouldn't oppress aliens, for they were once aliens in the land of Egypt. No wronging any widows or orphans. No taking interest yeah, be, if you lend like, money to any of nice, your poor neighbors. Yeah, be nice to people, right? Be nice to people, yeah. I mean, I guess you could sum it up <laughs> that way. I guess my question is, Father, why is God commanding them to be nice to these particular types of people? So the, the question is a good one, Annie. Why these people and why is Israel supposed to be this way, right? Why are, and ultimately we're going to ask the question, why are we supposed to be this way? This is a good, a good thing to remember, a principle that we can always hold before us when we're doing theology is that we should always be theocentric 
in our exegesis, in our understanding, in our explanation. That is a fancy way of saying God-centered. The first question we should always ask is, who is God? So that we can understand who man is in his image and after his likeness. Yes? Every moral teaching of the church, whatever we're commanded to do or not do by the church, or as we can say, the church of the Old Testament is commanded how they were to live, is always based upon this central reality that the whole of the created order is centered upon who God is, for it is who he is that is expressed and revealed in creation. And so why why is Israel called to do this and act in this way? Well, simply because God is calling them out of Egypt, out of the dominion of Pharaoh, ultimately out of the dominion of death, the grasp of the evil one, and restoring them to their true identity, not as slaves in Egypt, but as sons of God. And that's the simple answer. As, as, as one scholar famously put it, uh, it, it was easier to get Israel out of Egypt than to get Egypt out of Israel. It carried very much that stamp of Pharaoh and slavery in their heart, and it was a danger that they would then go and act toward others as Pharaoh had acted toward them. But in fact, Israel was called to be a light to the nations, that is, to bring about a restoration of creation in the image and likeness of God. And thus, the foundation of this uh, theme this Sunday, which is love, right, as the gospel tells us, we are called to into God who is love, and, re, and we're called to reject the idea that God is slave and dictator, for Pharaoh indeed was a divine figure in, uh, in Egypt, but a divine figure in the image and likeness of the devil himself. Yeah. So let's look at the gospel from Matthew 22. The Pharisees deciding that they're going to try to test Jesus again. And for context sake, this is happening during Holy Week after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so they ask Jesus which commandment in the law is the greatest. And he doesn't mention any of the ones that we hear in the first reading. He doesn't mention any of the Ten Commandments that we think of when we hear the word commandment. He gives us, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did he just make that commandment up on the spot there, Father? No, it, it sounds like he did, right? It is, no, this is, this is a great uh, shame of passage of the of the Old Testament, the commandment of God in the book of Deuteronomy, be, before Israel is going to enter into the promised land, Moses sums up the law for them in this way, and this becomes a very powerful statement and prayer in the life of Israel, and borrows also from passage from Leviticus regarding love of, of neighbor. But as I say, Annie, this is all true, I should say, because, because of a theocentric understanding of creation and man in the image and likeness of God. John tells us in his epistle that God is love, and the love, of course, is the giving of our life to the beloved. Gift of our life to the beloved can never put someone in debt to us or in a relationship of slavery or, uh, or, or servitude, 
but rather one, uh, a gift of life which gives freedom to the other, that they might live, that they might be everything God intended them to be, namely a participant in the divine nature, one who lives in an absolute freedom of love from all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And into this relationship of love we are called to live. And, uh, and so Jesus rightly sums up the law for the Jews standing there, who were ultimately seeking his arrest and his death. You see the difference of what Jesus is coming to give and how the Pharisees have sided themselves not only with the Herodians, not only with the political powers, but with the evil one himself. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it now, that when he says the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself— they don't seem on on the surface to be very much alike. Love God, love your neighbor, unless you take that theocentric position on Scripture that you were just mentioning. Oh, this is exactly it, Annie. Is that is, is that the love of God is all related to God's love for us? Right. This is critically important in our modern society, in which we become so uh, deaf and blind to the reality of the divine in our life that we need to stop and we need to, to, to reflect upon the gift of life, the gift of my life. And of course, the proper response to a gift is to say thank you. When we're saying thank you to God, we call that worship. This is, this is our love for him in which we pour out our life as he's poured out his life into us. And then, once that, that relationship is restored, then I can then live out my life in his image now for his likeness. The one who has given me the greatest gift of all, I am now to live out this reality in relationship to others as he's lived it out towards me. It's incredible. Thank you so much, Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. You can find the Institute of Catholic Culture linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And while you're over there in the show notes, click on the subscribe button so that you can get all the information emailed to you every morning as we go on the air. We got another hour coming up next on EWTN Radio. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult to machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. Many times, the death of a loved one occurs while they are away from home. Depending on the distance, this expense could cost their family tens of thousands of dollars. To help families, the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society offers the Travel Plan, which assists in bringing home a loved one if death occurs more than 100 miles from their residence. A reasonable one-time fee provides a lifetime of coverage. Find out more about the Travel Plan at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. Pro-life across America, the billboard people.
need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kowarski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Hi, I'm Guy Cagney with the Cagney family and Coble Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Our Catholic faith is the center of our family life and how we do our real estate business. Hope that you and your family will remain safe and healthy this year. 513-347-1888. This is Archbishop Dennis Schnur from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Friday, the 27th of October. Let's begin with a prayer from St. John Chrysostom in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O Lord Jesus Christ, open the eyes of my heart that I may hear your word and understand and do your will. For I am a sojourner upon the earth. Hide not your commandments from me, but open my eyes that I may perceive the wonders of your law. Speak unto me the hidden and secret things of your wisdom. On you do I set my hope, O my God that you shall enlighten my mind and understanding with the light of your knowledge, not only to cherish those things which are written, but to do them. For you are the enlightenment of those who lie in darkness, and from you comes every good deed and every good gift. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Friday, the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along as uh, the week heads into the weekend. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has got video running so you can see the Sunrise Morning Show as well as hear it in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. James Patterson will be along to talk about Fulton Sheen. He's connected with that Ave Maria Pursuit of Wisdom uh, project, so that should be kind of fun. Maria Nichols will be along. Uh, she's got a rosary uh, deal to tell you about, and of course, we are winding down the month dedicated to the Holy Rosary. Uh, most of us will probably keep praying the rosary year-round, year but October's got that special rosary focus, and we'll talk to Maria about that. Danielle Bean will join us. She's been going through the mysteries of the rosary with us, and then Father Jonathan Duncan will look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings. So, please do stay with us if you can. Please. Pretty please. Two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Today is a day of prayer, fasting, and penance called for by Pope Francis. 
The Holy Father himself will be leading a prayer vigil this evening in St. Peter's Square at 6 p.m. local time. He has asked all the faithful to pray for peace today in the Holy Land, in Ukraine, and all over the world. He's invited all the particular churches to also take part by organizing similar prayer vigils involving the people of God. This is not the first day of prayer and fasting that the Holy Father has called. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports this is a persistent theme in his pontificate. Throughout the 10 years of his pontificate, Pope Francis has repeatedly called on believers and non-believers alike to dedicate days of prayer and fasting for the precious gift of peace. Already in 2013, in the first year of his pontificate, Pope Francis called for a day of prayer and fasting for peace in Syria, in the Middle East, and throughout the world. Five years later, in 2018, Pope Francis invited everyone to find appropriate ways to say no to violence. During a day of prayer and fasting for South Sudan and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Later, following a massive explosion in Beirut in 2020, Pope Francis appealed for a similar day dedicated to solidarity with Lebanon. And in 2020, at the height of the crisis in Afghanistan, the Holy Father called on everyone to intensify their prayer and practice penance. Finally, last year in 2022, Pope Francis prayed that Mary, the Queen of Peace, might preserve the world from the madness of war, as he appealed for prayer and fasting for peace in Ukraine. Sadly, one day after his appeal, Russia would launch its full-scale invasion of the country, a war that continues to this day. Since that time, the Pope has launched countless heart-rending appeals for Ukraine and its people. Pope Francis once again calls for Catholics and all women and men of goodwill to renew their prayer and fasting, pleading yet again for mercy, conversion, and reconciliation. I'm Christopher Wells. The search for a mass killer on the loose in Maine is continuing for a second day. Authorities are searching for a man identified as 40-year-old Robert Card, who they believe was the gunman who killed 18 people and wounded more than a dozen others in two mass shootings in the town of Lewiston Wednesday night, first at a bowling alley and then at a bar. Residents in the Lewiston area are being urged to stay indoors. Card is a sergeant at a U.S. Army Reserve base who police say was recently committed to a mental health facility. He is considered armed and dangerous. The U.S. has hit two facilities in eastern Syria used by Iran in what it says are self-defense strikes. Mark Mayfield reports. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said in a statement that at President Biden's direction, these strikes were carried out as a response to a series of attacks on U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria by Iranian-backed militia groups. The statement went on to say that the U.S. does not seek conflict and does not intend to engage further. These strikes were carried out at facilities used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. I'm Mark Mayfield. A federal judge has dismissed a lawsuit that challenged Indiana's near-total abortion ban. The Satanic Temple filed a suit claiming the law violated religious freedom and the 5th, 13th, and 14th Amendments. A judge ruled Wednesday that the Satanic Temple failed to prove they had standing to sue. Meanwhile, the U.S. bishops are marking the 25th anniversary today of the International Religious Freedom Act. The landmark legislation was signed by then-President Bill Clinton on October 27, 1998, elevating religious freedom as a U.S. foreign policy goal and establishing, among other things, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. 
A statement from the bishops points out that, quote, sadly, 80 percent of the world's inhabitants live in countries where there are high levels of governmental or societal restrictions on religion and restrictions have been steadily increasing for several years, end quote. And then we have those who abuse the idea of religious freedom, like the satanic temple. Well, you know, I mean... Any comments, Matt? All I got to say is there are a lot of people that that uh, say they're not religious, but everybody's got a religion. Some people just believe in the supernatural. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe me, there are a lot of people who don't go to church who will be freaking out at college football stadiums this weekend. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, if you want to know what somebody believes, just look around their house and see what kind of stuff they decorate with. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anna Mitchell, I know that you have things in proper proportion, but there are certain people whose, if you were to look at the iconography and the statues and uh, everything else in their house, you'd be like, this person goes to the Church of Ohio State football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do not have any Ohio State gear hanging up on my walls or... You don't? In my living room. No. None? None. Zero. Well, if you don't have Jesus and Mary or crucifixes in your house, but you've got Brutus the Buckeye in every room, (laughs) might be an indication of where your... And can I just say... Where your interior decorating treasure is, Anna Mitchell, there is... I mean, here in Ohio, we are... Looking ahead to the November election where a proposed constitutional amendment enshrining abortion in the Constitution is on the ballot. And I just find it telling that the Satanic Temple filed a suit claiming that an abortion ban violates their religious freedom. What does that tell you about abortion? Uh, It tells you a few things, but don't be surprised if some uh, progressive Christian groups join that cause. Well... Yeah. Don't be well, surprised. Progressive Christian groups. Oh, here's another metric. Set up Anna and Mitchell. pay attention. If you've got 17 uh, political signs. You're joining signs in your the front Satanic yard, Temple. That's true. But if you've got 17 political signs in your front yard, but there's no Mary's statues anywhere near your landscaping, then maybe that's an indication, too. <laughs> that's a good point. That's all I'm saying. That's a good point. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, and it's great to be uh, joined by Dr. James Patterson. He's chair of the politics department at Ave Maria University, instructor. For a free short course on the wisdom of Fulton Sheen with their Pursuit of Wisdom program, you can find it at thepursuitofwisdom.org. Dr. Patterson, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, very glad to have you. You know, it's interesting. Sheen said so many things that are so applicable to our day, and, and you can sort of make the mistake of just mapping him on to every single argument that's going on right now. Uh, but why is it important for us to look at what he was dealing with at his time? Um, because there were some different things. There were some similar things, but there were a lot of different things. Like, why is it important to go back to that well of Sheen's wisdom? So Sheen uh, spends a lot of time explaining first principles uh, of religion, of politics, economics. Uh, so these are the things that are recurring import- of, uh, issues of importance, things that uh, show up all the time. Uh, when we're trying to set uh, like a, a good for us to pursue, and so uh, what you find is is that uh, he he makes this available uh, to ordinary people. Uh, very frequently, you find that Catholic theology can be pretty complicated. The specialization, you know, requires a lot of uh, academic expertise, 
And uh, he breaks it down for ordinary people because ordinary people are, you know, the voters in the United States. And it was important for them to understand what it is that they were supposed to be doing. You know, it's interesting. I'll I'll hear this with not just Sheen, but other kinds of figures. Uh, Some people will say, well, Sheen was alive today. He'd really have some critical things to say about X person that I disagree with. Uh, I think if Sheen were alive today, he'd have some critical stuff to say about almost everybody, everybody, uh, because all the things that he warned against have sort of manifested themselves in all sorts of different areas that kind of like are all over the political map, all over even the theological map, all over the map of how we exercise virtue or vice in the public square. I mean, he covered a lot of that. He had a very long career. And, you know, people often remember him for the Emmy Award program, Life is Worth Living. But by the time he was on television, he'd actually already been uh, a college professor, you know, an academic writer, a popular writer, uh, lecturer, priest, uh, and Monsignor uh, since, you know, the 1920s. I guess not a Monsignor quite yet, but... Uh, he had been doing all of these things for a very long time, which is why he was so good from the get-go on the TV show. Uh, and he had a lot of different kinds of training. He did canon law. He did moral philosophy. Um, people often don't know this, but his you know, uh, first book is on pragmatism. It's on uh, a philosophy in the United States. And then his, uh, his next books are on science. So he covers uh, the gamut because he was just such a quick study. There is a lot to unpack, but uh, one of the things that you try and do is sort of assemble some of these things into sort of philosophical categories. I mean, this is a mm-hmm. this is a monstrous operation to undertake, uh, but in one of those classes, you talk about um, this kind of distinction uh, between uh, – and, and really how he addresses these questions – of both uh, liberalism and capitalism. Uh, I mean, how? I mean, without you know, blowing up the whole show. Like, what's what's sort of a summary of that approach? So, uh, Sheen wants to uh, make sure that people understand that the Catholic Church teaches that there's uh, a, an external standard of the good. You know, we know this uh, to some degree by reason. It's perfected in Revelation. Uh, the Church uh, will will provide that uh, instruction to us in the form of uh, moral formation, spiritual formation, receipt of uh, sacraments. Uh, And so uh, when people make appeals to a a liberal philosophy, what they want to say is that there's not an external good beyond uh, uh, whatever you attribute to the world, uh, that it's a personal or subjective Yeah, it's nominalism on on steroids in, in a lot of ways. Exactly, exactly. And in the economic sphere, it's the same thing. There's no good that uh, unless you prefer it, right? So you go out and buy whatever you want. And Sheen wants to explain that the, that there's a moral component to the universe that is not up to you, that's actually up to God. And he uh, doesn't uh, merely use like an emotional appeal to preach to the choir, but uh, makes very accessible demonstrations of evidence for this and philosophical argumentation and a, gr- and a good dose of humor. A great dose of humor. I I love the sort of cutting ways that he refers to some of these things, you know, because, uh, you know, in Sheen's day, you have a whole bunch of swirling, swirling things, right? You've got communism, uh, which he Mm. had no shortage of critiques for, right? Uh, (laughs) Nor did, by the way, the popes, (laughs) you know, leading up to his time. Uh, But also there's this very careful way he cautions Americans especially to approach this question of capitalism because capitalism is not some unre- 
unqualified good automatically, right? You can use it for good or you can use it for very, very evil causes. So, I mean, he's got plenty to say about both of those things, especially when it comes to consumer Americans that are in his, well, that are in his viewing audience. The, the, uh, the audience that he's speaking to lived through the Great Depression, uh, or uh, during some of it, he's actually, they're actually living through it uh, with some of his in, earlier work. So, um, you know, the enthusiasm that it, I think people had for capitalism, you know, during the 1980s and 90s, maybe it kind of tapered since then, um, was, more, uh, was more of that political moment. But we've seen repeatedly that uh, capitalism is, is no guarantee of of human virtue, uh, and in some cases creates problems for it. So Sheen always wanted to focus a person's attention on that virtue, not just on on gains from uh, from capitalism, uh, because the long-term harms are actually pretty significant, as a lot of the people living during that time knew full well. Well, and as uh, I feel like Augustine points out in The City of God, just because you're rich doesn't mean you can't be virtuous, and just because you're poor doesn't mean you are virtuous <laughs> as well. And he did so, benefit from, yeah. from very serious people supporting his venture, uh, and it's about what you dedicate that money to. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, working on building programs to help people explore philosophy and its application to the, to the modern life. It's not like uh, you yourself sold millions of books to be able to put this project on, right? All these things that we do in <laughs> apostolic work come uh, very often from people who just want to see more people uh, be formed in faith. So uh, I encourage people to go to thepursuitofwisdom.org. Again, thepursuitofwisdom.org. Dr. James Patterson has got the course on the wisdom of Fulton Sheen. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Have a wonderful day. You do the same. And again, while you're at sunrisemorningshow.com, uh, enter your email address and subscribe. You can get the show notes, including direct links to Dr. Patterson's course right there in those show notes delivered to your inbox daily. Back after this, it's 16 past. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. 
the largest religious media network in the world, EWTN has an important role in educating others about our Catholic faith and spreading the good news of salvation. We invite you to explore our numerous pages of historical faith documents, prayers, teachings, and other current issues in Catholicism today. Visit EWTN.com and click Catholicism. EWTN is the global Catholic network. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Today is the day of prayer, fasting, and penance that's been called for by Pope Francis to pray for peace in the Holy Land, in Ukraine, and all over the world. The search for the mass killer on the loose in Maine is continuing now for a second day. And the U.S. bishops are marking today the 25th anniversary of the International Religious Freedom Act. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, Anna Mitchell, of course, uh, we have lots and lots of great things going on around the country for Eucharistic Revival stuff. We've been having Eucharistic Revival people on the show uh, and, uh, you know, people like Sister Alicia Torres and many Mm -hmm. others involved in that. Uh, I want to steer people, if they have a chance, to go check out. Uh, a great video I put up on our Facebook page at sunrisemorningshow.com uh, about a guy who's going to be on the journey home soon. His name is Matt Gerald. He's from Mississippi. He was a Methodist Protestant. I don't know if you've even ever heard of that denomination. Wait, I've heard of a Methodist, Methodist. which is a type of Protestant. Protestant. Well, this is but a specific is... group that did not join with the United Methodists, and okay. they're only really located in Mississippi. But they got missions in Belize, so they're in Mississippi and Belize. Ah. This one denomination. Really? At any rate, Matt got married to a Catholic. And he was like, she's going to become Methodist Protestant. And his wife was like, he's going to become Catholic. Well, 10 years after they got married and their son was preparing to receive First Communion, Matt became Catholic because he wanted family unity. But he didn't really understand. He didn't really get it. Yeah. Um, And over time, he kind of shared how... The Eucharist became like everything. He had his own personal Eucharistic revival. And I put a little short video up, a little four-minute video up, if you want to hear kind of how Matt did that. Because there's lots of people who have married into the church or maybe have gone to the church for lots of years. Mm -hmm. And they haven't had that moment, like that Mm -hmm. that encounter that really, it hasn't clicked. So watch Matt's video because it clicked for him. It might help you. That's awesome. It's on our Facebook page. Check it out at sunrisemorningshow.com. 21 past. Sacred Heart Radio family, asking you to give us $75 a month is a lot to ask. But the fact is it costs $150 every hour of the day for us to operate. Now, with underwriting paying for half of that, if it's possible to give $75 a month, thank you. But we're grateful for whatever you're able to donate. And to do that or find out more about underwriting, visit sacredheartradio.com. And to get even more listeners, tell everyone about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, a great place to shop for gifts like fun Catholic t-shirts, socks, and cozy throw blankets. And don't forget the Mystic Monk Pumpkin Spice Coffee. St. Michael's Rosaries online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf, and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping. 
513-271-2332 or on the web at WimbergLandscaping.com. That's WimbergLandscaping.com. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center is offering weekend retreats this fall led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join us this October for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to welcome to the Sunrise Morning Show, Maria Nichols. She's a volunteer with the Rosary Team, and you can check out this apostolate at their website, therosaryteam.org. Maria, welcome to the show. Good morning. It's good to have you. So first of all, can you just tell us about the mission of the Rosary Team? Well, we're uh, trying to spread the rosary to people uh, you know, members, residents in senior care facilities, assisted living, uh, nursing homes, memory care units. Um, our mission is to try and say the rosary with as many residents as we can. That's really, really beautiful. So how, I mean, I, I know this sounds like a really silly kind of question, but what exactly does a volunteer do? So we go in teams of two to pray the rosary, again, in those uh, mentioned facilities. Um, it's really special for us because, you know, we get to know the residents while we're, you know, saying the rosary. Um, some volunteers, you know, they may be retired. When I go with my son, Julie, um, we're just kind of going at our lunch hour. Nice. And um, the rosary team started in 2019 with my uh, cousin, Teresa Rodriguez. She lives out uh, in Colorado. And um, she actually started this in memory of my uh, Aunt Mary and her mom, who loved the rosary. And at the time, Teresa was a hospice nurse, and she recognized being in these facilities that the residents um, had a real spiritual need uh, that wasn't being met. And so that's kind of where she got the idea to, you know, start this rosary team. And since then, just since 2019, um, now we have 230 volunteers in over 100 facilities, um, and they really expect that to grow almost double uh, in this next year. Well, let's hope that it doubles just in this morning uh, as listeners (laughs) hear about it, perhaps for the first time here on the Sunrise Morning Show across the country. Um, from a from a practical standpoint, when you go into a nursing home, how does it work? Do you do you go find individual residents, or do you call people together in a group, or, or what do you do? The nursing home uh, handles that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we'll arrive, and there'll already be a group of people just waiting for us. Other times, um, they're not there yet, and because we already know the residents and know where their rooms are we kind of go and get them out ourselves if we want. Nice. Um, so, and even, it seems silly, but, you know, 
rolling somebody down the hall in their wheelchair is just a special time that we also get to talk one-on-one while we're gathering them together. Oh, gosh, I imagine so. I I mean, perhaps you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a nursing home is is one of those places where we will find the the loneliest people among us. Um, not many people getting to to see outsiders um, every single day. For sure, it can definitely be a, a forgotten group. Um, so we're at Bailey on the west side, and nice. um, you know it Very varies depending Bailey. on yeah. each person's situation. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Maria joining us here from from the Cincinnati area is one of the the Cincinnati volunteers with the Rosary Team, and again, the Rosary Team dot org. Well, Maria, Pope Francis has called for today to be a day of of prayer, fasting, and penance for peace around the world. How are you all encouraging your volunteers to to mark today? Well. And not just today, all week, because I said my prayer yesterday with my group, um, and we did dedicate our prayer, uh, the Rosary for Peace in Israel and Hamas War. Um, So everybody throughout the weekend, especially today, just to pray the Rosary, um, dedicate even a decade, um, if you can say it with your friends or family, or, you know, make an extra visit to your family member that might be in a nursing home. Can I ask why the rosary? I mean, there are any number of of prayers that that you could say. You could even make it extemporaneous prayer and just make it sort of like a prayer meeting. What do you? How have you experienced the power of the rosary, particularly in a nursing home setting? <clears throat> well, when we first started saying it, um, we were specifically in the memory care unit, and mm. what surprised me was. Even though they couldn't remember a lot of things, the residents always remembered how to say the rosary. Um, wow. And for us, um, when we go in, you know, you can see that their faces still recognize you. They uh, trust you, even though they don't really know you after we've, you know, gotten to know them for a while. Um, I, I know that we're making an impact because we can see it on their faces and now today we're mixed with memory care uh, folks and other folks that just can't get down to say the rosary that they might be said with um, just the regular facilities. So we're really attending to the people that can't make it to the other rosary that gets said, you know, yeah. in the facility. Wow. So, Maria, if listeners are intrigued by this and want to become a volunteer, how do they get in touch? Well, our website is the rosary team org the rosary team.org and there's a volunteer page um, that would be the best link to go to and then also under the uh, support to support page there's a large print rosary pamphlet but we would love for the rosary team to grow here in Cincinnati and so we're looking for so many more volunteers to really get this going in our Cincinnati area Fantastic. And uh, you can find the rosary team org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Let's double the number of volunteers today, ladies and gentlemen. Wonderful. Maria Nichols, it was so good to have you. Thank you for joining yes, us this you. morning. Okay, thank you. You bet. All right. And you can find all of our guests linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Click on the show notes for today. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Get it in your inbox. 
Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Today is a day of prayer, fasting, and penance called for by Pope Francis, as we were just talking about a moment ago. The Holy Father has asked the faithful to pray for peace today in the Holy Land, in Ukraine, and all over the world. He'll be leading a prayer vigil this evening in St. Peter's Square at 6 p.m. Rome time and has invited all the particular churches to take part by organizing similar initiatives involving the people of God. Meanwhile, Israel is preparing for a ground invasion of Gaza. Mark Mayfield has the story. That's what Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said in a televised speech Wednesday. He said he wouldn't elaborate on when or how many. About 360,000 Israeli reservists are at the border with Gaza awaiting orders. The Gaza Health Ministry says that so far over 6,000 Palestinians have been killed by Israeli airstrikes. The attacks began earlier this month after Hamas invaded Israel and killed 1,400 people. I'm Mark Mayfield. The U.S. has hit two facilities in eastern Syria used by Iran in what it called self-defense strikes. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said in a statement yesterday that at President Biden's direction, the strikes were carried out as a response to a series of attacks on U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria by Iranian-backed militia groups. The Holy See's representative to the United Nations has reiterated the call for a two-state solution as the path to peace in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In a statement he addressed to the Security Council, the Vatican Permanent Observer to the UN reiterated that war is always a defeat for humanity. Archbishop Katra focused his intervention on three points. First, he conveyed the Holy See's unequivocal condemnation of Hamas terrorist attack on October the 7th. As Pope Francis clearly stated, terrorism and extremism fuel hatred, violence and revenge and only cause mutual suffering, he said. Archbishop Katcha therefore once again relaunched the urgent call for the immediate release of all the Israeli hostages held by Hamas. The second point highlighted by the Vatican Nuncio was that criminal responsibility for terrorist acts can never be attributed to an entire nation or people. The right to self-defense in every conflict must always comply with international humanitarian law, he stressed, including the principle of proportionality. Finally, Archbishop Katcha urged the facilitation of humanitarian corridors to besieged Gaza, where people continue to die. The nuncio concluded by appealing to both sides to demonstrate audacity by renewing their commitment toward a peace based on justice. He reaffirmed that the Holy See remains convinced that the two-state solution still offers hope for such a peace. I am Lisa Zingarini. The search for a mass killer on the loose in Maine is continuing for a second day. Authorities are searching for a man identified as 40-year-old Robert Card, who they believe was the gunman who killed 18 people and wounded more than a dozen others in two mass shootings in the town of Lewiston Wednesday night, first at a bowling alley and then at a bar. Residents in the Lewiston area are being urged to stay indoors. He is considered armed and dangerous. Pfizer and BioNTech is beginning a phase three trial for the combined flu and COVID-19 mRNA vaccine. 
Brian Shook reports. The pharmaceutical company reported positive results from its phase one and two study. The previous trials were meant to look at whether the new shots are safe and effective. Pfizer said the phase three trial will look for any potential side effects and will begin in the coming months. An official for the company said they were encouraged by the results. I'm Brian Shook. The U.S. bishops are marking the 25th anniversary today of the International Religious Freedom Act. The landmark legislation was signed by then-President Bill Clinton on October 27, 1998, elevating religious freedom as a U.S. foreign policy goal. And the Rangers and Diamondbacks are set to go head-to-head for the World Series title. Texas hosts Arizona tonight for Game 1 of the Fall Classic at Globe Life Field. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Put your money where your heart is. Do business with someone who shares your faith and values. From Sacred Heart Radio's Angels List of Underwriters. And don't forget to tell them where you found out about them. Go to sacredheartradio.com and click Angels List. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Friday, October the 27th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to need the umbrella today. Right now, temperatures in the mid-60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, scattered showers today with a chance of storms and a high of 76 degrees. Spotty showers and downpours tonight with an overnight low of 60. Some morning showers tomorrow and a high of 66 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, partly sunny today with a slight chance of a few showers and a high of 76 Cloudy with rain showers likely tonight and an overnight low near 60. Cloudy and cooler with a slight chance of an isolated shower tomorrow and high of 63 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Go online, subscribe to the show notes at sacredheartradio.com. Sunrise Morning Show is Danielle Bean. You can connect with her. Invite her to speak at daniellebean.com. Check out her girlfriend's podcast through goodcatholic.com and join the community at girlfriendscommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fine. And it's becoming a yearly tradition, I think, for us uh, to spend our time together in the month of October, which is dedicated to the Holy Rosary Uh, reflecting on some of the mysteries of the rosary through the lens of of womanhood, of motherhood specifically. And today we are going to be talking about the joyful mystery, the presentation 
of the Lord in the temple. And there's so much that we can unpack in this story in Luke chapter 2. What, what What's standing out to you, Danielle? Yeah, the, the number one thing that always stands out to me when, when I read this, when, when I pray the rosary and meditate on this particular mystery, is Mary's position there, which is one I think we can all relate to as women, as mothers, in that this is a joyful mystery, right? This is a joyful moment in the life of Christ where he's being presented in the temple. But there's some sorrow in there. There, It's tinged with sorrow because Mary hears Simeon, and we read these words of Simeon, that a sword will pierce your heart. And, you know, I, I just picture myself, you know, imagine yourself maybe on your baby's baptism day, and you're, you're going to the church, and you're just joyful about this new little gift of life that you've been given. There's so much to rejoice about there. And imagine someone giving you this stark, harsh prophecy in a moment like that. And I just think about the way that Our Lady handles that, the way that she accepts that, in the, which is the way that she accepts all that the Lord gives to her, everything that God asks of her, is with this peace and serenity, just embracing God's will. When she first said yes, when the angel Gabriel came to visit her at the Annunciation, she knew. She didn't know all the details, but she knew that this wouldn't be a choice she was making that would prevent suffering. She knew that it was going to be something sacrificial she was taking on. And here, again, is a reminder of that in Simeon's prophecy. And, you know, just a a little bit of a a reality check there, right? Like just a little bit of a reminder that here's what you said yes to. But she's firm in her commitment to the Lord. She is firm in her yes. She doesn't waver. She doesn't. You know, I can imagine if something similar happened to one of us that we might get dramatic and we might we might despair or we might start crying or we might, you know, cause a scene and, or we might demand to know more about what the person is saying. Our Lady doesn't do any of that. She is peaceful. She is calm in, in that moment there where she's being challenged in this way. And she's just embracing, fully embracing what God's will is for her life even if she doesn't know exactly what that means just yet. It is so fascinating that it is one of the joyful mysteries of the rosary, but also one of the seven sorrows of Mary. I'm so glad that you point that out because it is such a lesson to all of us that we need to trust in the Lord that that he is going to bring out the greater good in, in any situation. Right. Absolutely. And I think that this is this is the, the great challenge that we have as human beings. And Mary is such a beautiful example for us of doing this with serenity and complete surrender. You know, just, just this morning I was I was reading um, uh, Proverbs 3, where it says, lean not on your own understanding. Mm. And that really stood out to me. And, and it's a prayer that we can bring to Mary and ask her to teach us how to do that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Mary is the perfect example of that in the, the presentation in the temple. Here, where she, it is very much and truthfully a joyful moment. It is also a sorrowful moment, but she embraces it all. She isn't going to be swayed with what's going on around her, right? She is firm because she is rooted in her relationship with God the Father. And you know who else uh, stands out in in this story are Simeon and Anna, these two people mm. that just spent their lives in in service of the Lord and were able to recognize that God himself had just come back to the temple. 
Right, right. I think I'm glad you mentioned Anna because so often we focus on Simeon and we forget that there's somebody else there, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and and I, I, in my book, um, You Are Enough, where I looked at women of the Old Testament, um, I, I did look at, at Anna and I did like think about why don't we hear more about this, right? Why don't we hear more about Anna? And you know, I suppose the, the prophecy of Simeon is a little bit more dramatic, so we, we might focus there. But truthfully, here is a faithful woman of the Lord who is being rewarded for her faithfulness. Here she is using her feminine gift of seeing the other and seeing Christ for who he was. One of the first people to do that, right, to publicly proclaim who he was. She saw that, and she had the gift and the opportunity to be able to do that. And Simeon as well, in his faithfulness throughout his lifetime, he trusted. He did not lean on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord with all his heart. He trusted. And here he is being rewarded for that, where the Savior is here in his arms. What a what a beautiful and dramatic moment that is to reflect on. Yeah, and Danielle, the lesson for me out of this, and, and I've talked about it any number of times, I think even with you um, in, in some of the Girlfriends podcasts, is that... We need to grow in awareness of where God is, noticing God in these places so that when we are in the midst of a, a sorrow, if you will, that we can, we can look around and spot God in those moments. Right. And think about what a gift it is to us to not be, you know, not to just have to, you know, whatever way the wind is blowing is the way that you're going, right? Think right. about that. Think about how, right. how disruptive that is, right? Like, but if we are rooted in our relationship with God, all of our circumstances around us can change. They can be terrible. They can be wonderful. And we can be unmoved in the midst of it all. That ultimately is the goal because God is unchanging. And if we're focused there, if we're focused on our relationship with him, if we are surrendering to him and trusting in him with all of our hearts, the way that scripture tells us to, then we are not going to be moved by those things. We still might suffer and we still will rejoice and we can still experience all, you know, the full range of human emotions, but we don't have to let it move us at our core. That's where we need to be focused on our relationship with God. Yep, absolutely. We've been talking to Danielle Bean. You can find her girlfriend's podcast and her website linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Danielle, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You too, Danielle. Thanks. Hey, Matt. Matt, are you there? Is Matt there? Oh, man. I just found something out that I wanted to share with him and thereby share with everyone else. So today we were mentioning, I'll just tell you all since Matt's not here. He's probably like rounding up Zeke to get ready for school. Uh, The U.S. bishops today are um, uh, making note of the fact that today is the 25th anniversary of the International Religious Freedom Act. And so this is legislation. It was signed in 1998 by Bill Clinton um, that um, elevated religious freedom to a U.S. foreign policy goal. Now, what I'm wondering is if then-President Bill Clinton knew this little fact, or if Congress knew this fact even. Matt, do you know what other anniversary is marked today? On the 27th of October? Yeah. I I just just found this out. Then I probably don't know it. Constantine the Great, equal Uh, to the Apostles. Edict of Milan? No. 
a vision of the cross uh, just yeah. ahead of the Battle of the Milvian Bridge. How interesting that the International Religious Freedom Act would be signed on the anniversary of that moment in Constantine's life that would eventually lead, lead to, the to religious freedom in right. the Roman Empire. Well, what do you know? Isn't that incredible? Fortuitous. These are these things where I'm like, we got to look at history as providential. It when we indeed. see God's hand on these things, it's unreal. Unreal. So well, anyway. there you have it. There you have it. So I just thought I'd share Although that I with everybody. I got to go back and, and think about like what, what was going on that like sparked that. There might have also been like some stuff related to all kinds of different stuff that has almost nothing to do with some of the things that uh, you and I and people around the mm-hmm. world are fighting today you know, for sure. today. But it is, uh, it is a goal. It, it is a goal. Made. Especially as certain things that, you know, require lots of faith to accept are getting pushed to the forefront with, with religious fervor, but don't necessarily have like a religious component to them. Mm-hmm. So, and that's all I have to say about that for now. We'll look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings with Father Jonathan Duncan coming out of the break. It's 13 till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. This is Conversations with Consequences, where we delve deeper into issues affecting our church, our country, and our core, the family. As Catholics, we need to be informed, aware, and able to talk through some of the tough topics that we're facing in our culture and in our world. Conversations with Consequences gives us the tools to do so. It's not enough to pray. We have to be a light for the world. Conversations with Consequences, tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to Sunrise Morning Show. We 
Thank you for joining us on this Friday, the 27th of October. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston. And uh, we get to look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings for, man, we're getting into the big numbers, the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Father Duncan, we're getting close to Advent. Are you, uh, are you all right? Are you ready for it yet? You know, I am. I am. And I have to confess, um, I'm one of these people. Our local radio station starts playing Christmas music, mostly secular, uh, beginning on All Saints Day. And so I'll, I'll, I'll be rocking out to Bing Crosby and Nat King Cole, you know, for All right. weeks, weeks, weeks until Christmas. You know, the so purists sure are going to come yeah. after you for that, you know, because some of us, I've tried the thing where I listen to only Advent music up until Christmas, but there's like about three Advent CDs that have ever been made. So it's a lot of silence in our house, but uh, but just want to have people have that kind of in the back of their minds and at the ready because 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time, I mean, this is this is up in the numbers, and we're getting uh, we're getting some really we're not just focusing towards Advent. We're focusing towards the Feast of Christ the King, and we're getting some of Jesus' kind of like biggest and and uh, most core teachings in these last few weeks leading up to Advent, aren't we? Absolutely. So, of course, you know, we've been in Matthew chapter 22. We've heard about uh, the preparation for uh, the, the royal banquet for the heavenly feast and, you know, having the, the wedding garment, having the robe. Uh, so we heard about that. Of course, last week we heard about rendering to Caesar that which is Caesar's and, and to God that which is God's. But now we had this question from, the, from one of the scribes, which is the greatest commandment? And all of this is, is drawing up our Lord's, it's giving him an opportunity, even though they're seeking to, you know, entrap him and snare him, but it's giving him an opportunity to reveal what the kingdom is like. And of course, Jesus, as a, as a, as a faithful rabbi, as, a, uh, as someone who loves the law, of course, he is the one about whom Psalm 1 was written. You know, Blessed is the man who meditates on your law day and night. So he answers in a very faithful and traditional rabbinic way. What's the greatest law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with, with everything. And then the other commandment, which also both these laws, of course, come from uh, the Torah, uh, from the book of Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. So this would have been a standard answer. But Jesus is, of course, revealing in his own person what it truly means to love God with everything, his Father with everything, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, he would tell his disciples, no, you know, no greater love has anyone than to lay down his life for his friends. So he's revealing in his own, but he's not just giving us um, a sort of a moral commandment, you know, here's the things to do. Um, his teachings are also always like a, a proclamation of who he is and of, and of the gospel of the kingdom. So yes, we are called to love God with everything, to love our neighbor as ourselves. but ultimately his summary of the law is a proclamation of, of who he is. Uh, he is the one who loves God with um, with his his body, with his soul. You know, into your hands I commend my spirit. He is the one who who loved him, his father, with his whole will, with with every part of his being, and loved his wounded, 
fallen, rebellious creation um, as his own body, so that he could make so that he could make enemies his very own body, members of his own body. So uh, there are so many layers of things. I mean, this sounds like one of those like stitch it on a pillow, you know, and sell it in the Hallmark store kind of like passages. You know, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Pretty straightforward. But there are implications, like big implications to this. So one of them is that when Jesus gives the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Before he says, love your neighbor as yourself, he says, the second is like it. So loving your neighbor is like loving God, meaning that sometimes I have a hard time figuring out, well, how do I love God? What do I do? Well, God has created the world in such a way that he has surrounded me with people who bear his very image and likeness. So one of the best ways I can figure out how to love God is to love them. It's like it. Like loving my neighbor is like loving God because this is the this is the image of him that is directly operating in my world all day, every day. Family, friends, coworkers, complete strangers, enemies, all those people are my opportunity to do the second commandment, which is like that first one. Absolutely. They are they are the place where you where you can be trained to love God with everything. Because by loving your neighbor as yourself, it's, it's an invitation to say all of the energy, resources, and creativity that you use to meet your own needs. He's saying, I want you to extend all of that energy, time, resources, creativity to use that to meet the needs of others, to seek the good of others. And that's a tall order. But it does prepare us and helps and trains us for loving God our Father with everything, uh, to lay everything on the altar, to do as as St. Paul would say to the Romans, I I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And if if Jesus fulfilled every commandment perfectly, that means he also fulfilled this one perfectly, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if we know that Jesus, by loving himself, is loving within the life of the Trinity, infinite love pouring out to infinite love, then, I mean, that's a, that's a stunning thing to ponder. It is. We're being invited into a communion of love and being asked by proclaiming the gospel to extend others and to bring others into it as well. Well, Father Duncan, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week. Good to be with you. All right, that wraps it up on a Friday morning. Thanks for joining us here on the Sunrise Morning Show. You can go to sunrisemorningshow.com to connect with Father Duncan and all of our guests. Uh, You can also enter your email address and subscribe to our show notes. They'll get delivered to your inbox every morning so you can see who's on the show, what we're talking about, some of the prayers that we use as well, the occasional Rita Heikenfeld recipe. Again, subscribe at sunrisemorningshow.com. It's also got a link to the video stream if you want to, uh, I don't know, you ever watch a train wreck before? You should check it out. Annie and I, uh, we try and have a little fun. Until Monday, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. 
That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hardworking professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience in fit-up and welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. This is Bishop Roger Foys of Covington. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Sacred Heart Radio. We continue on this Friday, the 27th of October, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are faithful in your forgiveness. Strengthen and trust all who fear to approach you in the sacrament of penance. You are gracious to all who come to you. Make gracious all who represent you in the presence of sin and suffering. You are merciful to all who turn to you for help. Enlighten in wisdom all who have the opportunity to encourage others in prayer. You forgive every human failing. Preserve us from the temptation to trap others in their sins by gossip. O God, you have made us in your image. As you forgive, may we forgive. As you restore, may we restore. As you love, may we love. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
It is a better way to start a Friday. Some of you have been with us for a couple hours so far, heading into our big weekend. And then next weekend, next week, rather, right smack dab in the middle of the week, we get the autumn triduum. All Hallow's Eve, All Saints Day, All Souls Day, all smack dab in the middle of next week should be fun. I'm Matt Swain. Manna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis is behind making sure that Paul Lockman's not goofing around too much. Joseph Pierce will be along to talk about his Pursuit of Wisdom course for Ave Maria University on J.R.R. Tolkien. Donna Murphy will discuss uh, Child Loss Awareness Month here during the month of October. She's, of course, with Heaven's Gain, which is just an extraordinary and compassionate ministry to people who... Um, whose suffering often gets ignored. Father Hezekiah Carnazzo will preview the Sunday Mass readings. Also, Joe Heschmeyer along from Catholic Answers. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Today is the day of prayer, fasting, and penance called for by Pope Francis. The Holy Father has asked all the faithful to pray for peace today in the Holy Land, in Ukraine, and all over the world. He will be leading a prayer vigil this evening in St. Peter's Square at 6 p.m. Rome time and has invited all the particular churches to take part by organizing similar initiatives involving the people of God. This is not the first day of prayer and fasting that the Holy Father has called. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports this is a persistent theme in his pontificate. Throughout the 10 years of his pontificate, Pope Francis has repeatedly called on believers and non-believers alike to dedicate days of prayer and fasting for the precious gift of peace. Already in 2013, in the first year of his pontificate, Pope Francis called for a day of prayer and fasting for peace in Syria, in the Middle East, and throughout the world. Five years later, in 2018, Pope Francis invited everyone to find appropriate ways to say no to violence. During a day of prayer and fasting for South Sudan and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Later, following a massive explosion in Beirut in 2020, Pope Francis appealed for a similar day dedicated to solidarity with Lebanon. And in 2020, at the height of the crisis in Afghanistan, the Holy Father called on everyone to intensify their prayer and practice penance. Finally, last year in 2022, Pope Francis prayed that Mary, the Queen of Peace, might preserve the world from the madness of war, as he appealed for prayer and fasting for peace in Ukraine. Sadly, one day after his appeal, Russia would launch its full-scale invasion of the country, a war that continues to this day. Since that time, the Pope has launched countless heart-rending appeals for Ukraine and its people. Pope Francis once again calls for Catholics and all women and men of goodwill to renew their prayer and fasting, pleading yet again for mercy, conversion, and reconciliation. I'm Christopher Wells. Israeli forces are entering a new ground phase of the war against Hamas in Gaza. Last night, Israeli tanks and bulldozers entered into northern Gaza in what's being described as a limited raid that will pave the way for a larger ground assault. About 360,000 Israeli reservists are at the border with Gaza awaiting orders. The attacks began earlier this month after Hamas invaded Israel and killed 1,400 people. The U.S. has hit two facilities in eastern Syria used by Iran in what it says are self-defense strikes. Mark Mayfield reports. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said in a statement, 
that at President Biden's direction, the strikes were carried out as a response to a series of attacks on U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria by Iranian-backed militia groups. The statement went on to say that the U.S. does not seek conflict and does not intend to engage further. The strikes were carried out at facilities used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Coast Guard is now assisting in the manhunt for a suspected mass shooter in Maine. The Coast Guard has reportedly deployed sea and air assets to help look for a man identified as 40-year-old Robert Card. 18 people were killed, 13 others injured in the town of Lewiston after the shooter opened fire inside a bowling alley and later a bar on Wednesday. An arrest warrant has been issued for Card with officials saying he should be considered armed and dangerous. The Army confirmed he's enlisted in the U.S. Army Reserve. Residents in the area have been asked to continue to shelter in place as the manhunt continues. And a federal judge has dismissed a lawsuit that challenged Indiana's near-total abortion ban. The Satanic Temple filed the suit, claiming that the law violated religious freedom and the 5th, 13th, and 14th Amendments. A judge ruled Wednesday that the Satanic Temple failed to prove they had standing to sue. 8.06 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Yeah, I agree with you in the National Hour. If you're on their side... If you find yourself the, aligned with the Satanic Temple... Might want to reevaluate. You might want to reevaluate. All right, let's get to uh, Sports Game 1. Of the World Series is tonight. Rangers and Diamondbacks will face off in uh, for the World Series title. Of course, uh, best of seven series. Game one tonight. Astros or Astros. Arizona will send out uh, Zach Gallen. He is an all-star right-hander. Rangers will counter with Nathan Avaldi on the uh, series opener. Arizona claimed their first NL pennant since the first time since 2001 while the Rangers making their first trip to the World Series since 2011. Last night, Thursday night football, Buffalo Bills kicked off week eight with a 24-18 win over the Buccaneers on Thursday night football. Josh Allen torched Tampa Bay for 324 yards, two touchdowns. He also ran for a score. Buffalo improves to five and three, and uh, that puts them uh, just one game back of, uh, or half a game back, I should say, of the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins will play a easy game uh, this weekend. They play the Patriots, though the Patriots. That's so funny. Just beat the Bills. So yeah, it sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah. An easy game, though. You never know anymore. When Tommy's gone, you know. True story. Uh, how about this? Uh, it is a Friday, right? Friday. Yeah, it how is. How about uh, some high school playoff football? Oh yeah. Regional first round, and uh, if you're an Elder Panther fan, the Elder Panthers take on Oak Hills today, Uh, so should be a fun one. That's at the pit. Also uh, got uh, plenty of other uh, teams, Moeller in it, Elder, uh, like I said, uh, St. X. Moeller takes on West Claremont. Okay. St. Xavier takes on Springboro. Okay. Both of those should be wins. LaSalle takes on Winton Woods. That, Ooh, that may be a tough be, one. Yeah. Uh, how about Baden? Baden takes on Goshen. Alter takes on Roger Bacon. Oh. So, or I should say Roger Bacon takes on. Yeah. You know, Roger Bacon hosts that game. 
Uh, Mc- well, we're in both Cincinnati and Dayton on our airwaves here, so uh, I guess you could put it either yeah. way. But I am a Roger Bacon Spartan yes. alumna, so Good you point. start with Roger Bacon here. You're, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, McNick taking on Eaton. Shamanon Julian taking on Mount Healthy. Hmm. Uh, I may pull for uh, my Mount Healthy owls there. Uh, Fenwick. <laughs> Uh, didn't make the playoffs, so I uh, don't even know why I said it. Uh, Purcell Marion will take on Madeira. Roger Bacon, I said, uh, takes on Alter. Alter. So cool. uh, there you go. That right. is, that's your that's your Catholic uh, sports roundup. Thanks to John Stegman. He helped me out with this as well. As well really? as you. You printed me out the uh, the sheet as well. Yeah. The, the playoff team sheet. So Hey, you bet, man. We're, we're All a team about here. It. We are. Let's get to traffic now. Traffic and service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio. On the web at LarkinCobb.com, what you got? Wet roads, you know what that means. Two lanes blocked with an accident on northbound 7175 at Kyle's. That has you stacked up past 275. The traffic map is saying it's about an hour delay right now. So maybe get over on 275 and head up 471. That's not looking too bad right now, actually. Um little heavy from uh, Grand Avenue up to the river on 471. Also slowing, of course, through the construction on westbound 275 at the bottom of the loop from uh, Turkey Foot over toward Mineola Pike. On the Ohio side of the river, accident on the right shoulder of southbound 75 at the 275 interchange. You're backed up towards Cincinnati Dayton Road, and then you'll slow again as you head through the Lachlan Split. Northbound 75 is slowing from 74 up toward Ronald Reagan. Now for weather, scattered showers and a chance of storms today in Cincinnati, but still warm, a high of 76 degrees. Spotty showers tonight for some muddy high school football action. Overnight low of 60. Some morning showers tomorrow and a high of 66. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, partly sunny today. Slight chance of a few showers and a high of 76 degrees. Cloudy with showers likely tonight and an overnight low of 60. Cloudy tomorrow. Slight chance of an isolated shower and a high of 63 degrees. Today is Friday, October the 27th. As we were saying, the day of prayer and fasting called for by Pope Francis to pray for peace in the Holy Land, in Ukraine, and around the world. Coming up on 12 minutes past the hour now, Matt. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Joseph Pierce, visiting professor of literature at Ave Maria University, and he's one of the professors in their free online courses. Uh, This is a a, a great project they're putting on called The Pursuit of Wisdom. You can find it at thepursuitofwisdom.org. Joseph, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So... Tell us about this course that you're doing on the genius of Tolkien. Yeah, I actually did a, a, a course on the genius of Tolkien. I recorded in the summer. They're short courses, about five uh, five lectures, um, meant to be accessible to anybody who's interested. And I also did a course on the genius of G.K. Chesterton. So I did two courses for them, um, which I'm uh, very honored. I'm now back involved with Ivy University as a visiting professor of literature. So, so this is all good. All right, so then, if these are uh, courses, plural, or, um, well, I say classes, plural, uh, what are some of the topics that you uh, that you cover through the program? 
Yeah, well, in the talk, talking course, I, I made a point of um, concentrating on Tolkien's philosophy of myth, so the, uh, the love of wisdom to be found through the power of story. And so I looked at, if you like, uh, the philosophy underpinning his work, and it'd be finished, of course, by looking at the Catholicism of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. But I laid the foundations first of why Tolkien writes that sort of book. Yeah, your course on that is called A Myth-Understood Man, which is... Uh... It was quite clever. I, I appreciated that one. Um, but you know, when we talk about myth, I, I mean, Tolkien is just a great – he's a great jumping-off point to talk about myth because, um, you know, sometimes we get the idea that myth means, you know, something that is false, uh, right? And uh, that is a myth about the idea of myth as understood by Tolkien, right? Yes, it's very important to understand our, our, uh, the English language and to, under, and to define our terms. So when we're talking about uh, Tolkien's work or about uh, classical mythology or what have you, the key thing is that the, the, the word myth in Greek means story. It doesn't mean lie. You know, what used to be the word when you say that's a myth, it means it's a lie. That's not what story means. The myth means story. And, of course, a story can be a lie. But the parable of the prodigal son, for instance, is a myth in that truer sense. It's a story. Um, it doesn't mean it's not true just because it's a story. Yeah, and that's uh, very important if you want to understand uh, really actually a whole bunch of things uh, that, well, that Jesus teaches, that Tolkien writes about. But you also have a course on The Hobbit as a parable. Um, I wonder how you dig into that in the Pursuit of Wisdom course that you do on Tolkien. Yeah, well, again, what I, I show in that, first of all, that Christ himself sanctifies story because the parables in the, uh, in the gospel are, are works of fiction in the sense that, they, that the, the prodigal son never existed as an historical character. Um, he's someone that, that Christ, if you like, invents as a, as a story in order to teach priceless lessons that are true. Uh, and so what's true of, uh, of, of uh, parables like the prodigal son is true, obviously, on a lower level uh, of other stories that, uh, that endeavor to show us the truth. And Tolkien's work, including uh, the, the work that made him famous in the first instance, his children's book, The Hobbit, are cases in point. Well, you mentioned his children's book, The Hobbit, and of course, The Lord of the Rings is uh, is written for kind of an older audience. You know, I, I wonder how much you get into the idea of storytelling helping us to become more childlike and the idea of story helping us to get back sort of more of that sense of wonder and awe and connection with sort of deeper truths. Uh, do you get into that much? Yes, I do very much, uh, I, particularly in Tolkien's essay on fairy stories, um, uh, which was originally given as an academic lecture just before World War II. And it was influenced also by G.K. Chesterton's uh, book, Orthodoxy, and especially the chapter, The Ethics of Elfland. Um, so basically, that the, the, the key part of that in Tolkien's essay and in Chesterton's work is what Tolkien calls recovery. We have to recover a clear view, and that means we have to recover a childlikeness. Jesus Christ says, unless we become like two children, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So we have to regain a clear view of things and stories, uh, and, and, and in a special way, actually, fairy stories can, can help us to regain that clear view. And that's what Chesterton believed, it's what Tolkien believed, it's what I believed, and it's what, GK, and it's what uh, Jesus Christ teaches by, by showing us some of the deepest truths in the form of parables. 
Well, and it's part of what led me to the Catholic Church uh, and helped me to develop a sacramental imagination. I remember reading Chesterton's Ethics of Elfland and uh, talking about having that sense of wonder about the world that's around us and understanding that salvation is a love story. It's a romance, right? It's an adventure. Um, and, and all these things, I think, are, are what attract so many people to you know the Lord of the Rings without a lot of people realizing what kinds of things are shaping Tolkien to to tell a story in this way, as you mentioned, and and, and you've read, written a number of things uh, on on Christianity and Lord of the Rings, but you also have a course or a class here on finding ourselves in the Lord of the Rings. I wonder, do you identify? I, I don't know if I ever asked you this. Is there like a specific character that you identify with, uh, you know, more than others, or does it kind of like swap out on each revisitation of the text? Yeah, I don't identify myself with any one particular uh, character. There are some characters I'd like to be. I, I think in some sense Samwise Gamgee is, is a loyal disciple of, of Christ in the sense that, that Frodo is a ring-bearer and therefore a cross-bearer. Sam is the loyal disciple, and of course we all want to be that. That's why I think why many, many uh, readers do associate with the character of Sam. And, uh, and, and I suppose I do up to a point, but I think that we mustn't lose sight of the bigger picture. You know, T Tolkien said that the Lord of the Rings is, um, quoting him here, the Lord of the Rings is, of course, a fundamentally religious and Catholic work. So this, 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 this story is fundamentally religious and Catholic in all its many multifaceted ways. And I think we, we want to see the whole picture. And if we uh, find ourselves identifying with one character, perhaps that's going to cause us to be a little bit uh, myopic. And we, we don't want that. We want to be able to see the whole thing. Well, you know, if I were to idealize myself, maybe Aragorn, uh, on my good days, I'm more like Sam, but most days I'm more like Boromir. So uh, I, I kind of fluctuate a bit myself. So. Well, I, have my, I have my Gollum moments. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's another aspect of this that we haven't had a chance to really dig into, but I know you will as well. You know, Gollum and his obsession with the ring and how it is uh, a really interesting study in how sin works on the human heart. And uh, so there's lots to get into here. And uh, we've got thepursuitofwisdom.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com where you can find Joseph's course. If people want to find more of the things that you're working on and you're always working on something, how do they get in touch? Well, always keep up with what I'm doing. Just go to my personal website, jpearce.co, J-P-E-A-R-C-E.co. And that is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Joseph, thank you as always. Have a blessed day. My pleasure. My pleasure always, Matt. God bless you. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Matt. We got traffic and weather coming up next. It's 19 past. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Stegman Landscape. Serving the tri-state since 1979, Stegman Landscape can create a picture-perfect landscape all year long. From design, installation, and maintenance to retaining walls, patios, and outdoor fireplaces to enjoy any season, Stegman Landscape can do it all. Stegman Landscape making the world more beautiful one yard at a time. 859-781-1562 and online at stegmanlandscape.com. Food makes the party. And you can find the perfect party foods at Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. From mini sandwiches to their jumbo pretzel sandwich, meat and cheese or vegetable and relish trays, Bridgetown Finer Meats can make hosting a party a breeze. And choose your wine while you're there. The BFM Wine Shop has high-quality wines from all over the world. Bridgetown Finer Meats on Bridgetown Road, 513-574-3100, on the web at bridgetownfinermeats.com.
Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, a great place to shop for Christmas. From custom-made rosaries, heirloom-quality nativities, books and CDs, to Christ-centered gifts for the kids. St. Michael's Rosaries, online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. 21 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive at pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Cleared up the accident in northern Kentucky, but you are still dealing with a backup on northbound 7175 from just past Turfway up to the cut in the hill. Going through the construction on westbound 275 in that area, still on the brakes from Turkey Foot over to Mineola Pike. On the Ohio side of the river, accident on the right shoulder of southbound 75 at the 275 interchange has you backed up past uh, Union Center Boulevard, and then you'll be slowing again as you head through the Lachlan Split. Now for weather. Scattered showers and a chance of storms here in Cincinnati today with a high of 76. Spotty showers tonight with an overnight low of 60. Some morning showers tomorrow and a high of 66. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, partly sunny with a chance of a few showers today and a high of 76 degrees. Cloudy with rain likely tonight with an overnight low of 60. Cloudy tomorrow, slight chance of an isolated shower and a high of 63 degrees. Now please pray with me the daily novena prayer for Ohio ahead of Election Day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart, offer the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, protector of the unborn, pray for us. Donna Murphy joins us next. It's 23 past. Family, the countdown has begun. Yes, the most important issue facing Ohio families will be decided on November 7th. So please direct everyone to sacredheartradio.com now so they will know the truth about what's at stake in Ohio this November. In the meantime, Sacred Heart Radio will continue to bring you expert analysis to help fill in the gaps and to pray, especially for the so-called religious leaders that the secular media has used to relay their false narrative on this issue. That is why it is so important to invite everyone to visit sacredheartradio.com now so they will understand that the outcome of their choice could result in overruling the rights of parents to decide what is best for their children. And because most will be going to sacredheartradio.com for the first time, please ask them to make a donation to ensure that our local pro-life message will never stop broadcasting on Sacred Heart Radio, the Sacred Heart Radio app, and on sacredheartradio.com. Pro-life across America, the people. It's 
It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. It's 25 minutes past the hour. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Donna Murphy with Heaven's Gain Ministries, online at heavensgain.org. Donna, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Anna. I appreciate you having me on. I really appreciate you coming on. And we are, of course, coming to the end of October now, which is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. Now, just for those who may not be familiar with Heaven's Gain, can you remind us of all the services you provide for families experiencing a miscarriage or stillbirth? Sure. Uh, at Heaven's Gain, our mission is to provide for the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of those experiencing pregnancy loss, whether that be miscarriage, stillbirth, or early infant death. And we do this before during and after the actual delivery of the baby. So we will prepare people for the birth of their child, whether that's a miscarriage at home, a late miscarriage or stillbirth in the hospital, or if they're going to have a baby that isn't expected to live very long. We will prepare them for that experience. Uh, we will help them to create a birth plan. Afterwards, we have um, caskets and urns that they can have, and we have um, free support services for those families because there's going to be a lot of grief and a lot of uh, things that they're going to need to work out in their life, and we want to help them on their grieving journey. Donna, can you talk about how you got into all of this? Yes. My husband and I, um, we lost three children um, at um, one in the first trimester and two in the second trimester, and we were not able to get the emotional support that we needed, nor were we able to find proper burial for any of those babies, our last one being eight inches long. We went to several funeral homes and to um, cemeteries, and no one would provide us with a casket, so we ended up just getting a chest in a store, and that's what um, our last baby is buried in, and unfortunately... Um, that's the way it was, and most people didn't have any way to bury their child. But now we have in half the states in the United States, there are laws that give parents the rights to their baby's remains, and so they can bury their child. It's, it's up to the parents, no matter what the gestational age in half the states. So I was literally in tears as I was perusing your website earlier this morning. I mean, the caskets are just so little. And then I saw, Donna, that you provide with every casket 
a, a little hand crocheted blanket or or a little swaddle blanket for the baby. And I mean, I've never experienced a miscarriage and, and hope that I never will. And yet here I was in tears over this. And some people may be thinking, Donna, this is just too hard to deal with. It's too painful to do this. So how do you help people work through that? Well, I think it's really important that people realize, first of all, that they really did lose a baby, no matter what the gestation, you know, whether yeah. whether this baby is, is, you know, 10 weeks old or full term, um, they really did lose a baby and that they have the right to grieve. So when I talk to people on the phone, one of the first things I say is, I'm so sorry for the loss of your baby. And almost always people start crying and they say, no one has ever said that to me. And that's a problem in our society today because people aren't accepting that these babies who are lost due to miscarriage or stillbirth are real babies and that parents have the right to grieve. Um, And we have to to acknowledge that, first of all, so that they don't feel crazy, so that they feel like, yes, I really did lose a baby. I'm not going crazy that I'm sad. I'm not going crazy that I feel like I've lost this baby. And instead of, like, making them sad, it actually makes them feel justified in their emotions and it allows them to to go through the grieving process and to heal and and our caskets allow people to be able to bury their baby respectfully with dignity and so they feel like they have in some way taken care of their child that's part of the prep we do by doing the birth plan also is to do different things that you can do to parent your child so even if your child is you know is born still, whether it be whatever gestational age, maybe there's a book you read to all of your kids. You can read a book to this child. Yeah, they're hearing it from heaven or whatever, but you're still reading a book. You're still parenting the child. You can, you know, wash your child's body off. You can give them a bath. You can do some parenting things for the few hours that you have with that child until you bury them. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to parent your child in some way to be able to sing them a song, read them a book, show them love in some way so that you have memories and mementos of your time with your child. And that's part of what the little blanket is about because when you wrap your baby in in a little blanket, you can get, you know, automatically just like you when you take a shower, you get skin cells on your towel. Some skin cells will come off of that baby on that blanket. And in our hopes that our babies are in heaven, in my mind, it will become a secondhand relic. Hmm. So beautiful. I mean, I was thinking about wrapping the baby and, and placing the baby in the casket in a blanket, just like tucking them in to their final resting place um, is just so important for a parent. And Donna, I, I hate to go here, but as you know quite well here in Ohio, there is a vote coming up on Election Day, a proposed amendment to the Ohio Constitution to enshrine abortion in in our state constitution. And that proposed amendment equates miscarriage care with abortion. And in fact, I've seen ads that that claim that if this amendment were to fail on Election Day, that women are at risk of losing miscarriage care. Uh, I'm wondering if you could just inform listeners, would anything that you do at Heaven's Gain 
change whether or not issue one passes on November 7th? Thank you for asking that question, because this infuriates me. It makes me so mad. We have been doing this since 2008, before the heartbeat bill, during the heartbeat bill, since then. Nothing will change. We will still be giving people the care that they need. Now, we don't give medical care at Heaven's Gain Ministries, but even when the heartbeat bill was passed, people were still getting the medication, the side attack that they need to expel the baby from them. So sometimes it takes a really long time for the baby to pass, and some people choose a medication that will expel the baby. This medication that they choose, that they would choose to take to help expel the baby, there's nothing morally wrong with it. The side attack is, is proper use is for miscarriage to help, or early stillbirth, to help expel the baby, to help that placenta to release and for that baby to leave. The improper use is for abortion. So all, all this um, talk about the fact that you wouldn't get the medication that you need or you wouldn't get the care that you need for miscarriage is just a lie. And it's, it's so hurtful to me that people are going to think, oh, no, heaven's game won't exist. I won't be able to get the help that I need. That's not true. We're not going anywhere. We'll be there for everybody. No matter what happens with this, yeah, sure, we, we hope that this amendment doesn't pass, but no matter what happens, we will still be there for anybody who has miscarriage or stillbirth. And we are so grateful for that work that you do, Donna. Um, heavensgain.org is the website to go to if, if you or someone you know is experiencing pregnancy loss. Uh, this is the place to go to be able to uh, bury your child with dignity and just always so grateful to have you on the show donna to talk about these things they are not easy certainly but so 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 important so thank you so much for the work that you do and thank you for joining us this morning thanks anna have a great weekend you do the same thank you donna all right it's 34 minutes past the hour now it's time for news today is the day of prayer fasting and penance called for by pope francis the holy father has asked all the faithful to pray for peace today in the Holy Land, in Ukraine, and all over the world. He will be leading a prayer vigil this evening in St. Peter's Square. Meanwhile, Israeli forces are entering a new ground phase of the war against Hamas in Gaza. Last night, Israeli tanks and bulldozers entered into northern Gaza in what's being described as a limited raid that will pave the way for a larger ground assault. The Holy See's representative to the United Nations has reiterated the call for a two-state solution as the path to peace in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In a statement he addressed to the... Well, apparently that is not going to work, so we will move on. A massive search for the gunman who killed 18 people in Lewiston, Maine, is ongoing this morning. Authorities believe the man identified as 40-year-old Robert Card walked into a bowling alley with a semi-automatic rifle on Wednesday night and killed seven people there, then drove to a bar and grill four miles away and killed eight more people. Three of his victims died later at a hospital and 13 others were injured. One of the victims was reportedly a 14-year-old boy. As of this morning, the suspected killer has not been apprehended. 
people living in the area have been told to shelter in place. And the U.S. bishops are marking today the 25th anniversary of the International Religious Freedom Act. The landmark legislation was signed by then-President Bill Clinton on October 27, 1998, elevating religious freedom as a U.S. foreign policy goal and establishing, among other things, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. 8.36 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Ackman. All right, thank you, Anna Mitchell. We wish the Reds would be here, but it is game one of the World Series and not to be. It was one of the last teams in the the uh, to reach the playoffs. The Arizona Diamondbacks are there along with the Texas Rangers. Rangers will host the Diamondbacks in game one of the Fall Classic at Globe Life Field. Rangers will send out Nathan Avaldi to the mound for the series opener. Diamondbacks will counter with all-star Zach Gallen. Checking in on the uh, football world, week eight of the NFL season got started with a Buffalo Bills 24-18 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night football. Josh Allen had a good day. He passed for 324 yards, two touchdowns, also ran in one for the score as uh, Buffalo improves to 5-3 and three, while Tampa Bay drops to 3-4. and four. High school football tonight. How about the Elder Panthers? Panthers playing the first round of the high school, Ohio high school uh, playoffs and taking on rival Oak Hill. So it uh, should be an interesting game from the pit. You can hear it right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Pre-game starts at 6.30. Kickoff is at 7. That's check-in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. The Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is 
Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture here to preview the readings for the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. A blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And we are going to the book of Exodus for our first reading, chapter 22. And uh, we get these commandments from the Lord to the people of Israel that they shouldn't oppress aliens, for they were once aliens in the land of Egypt. No wronging any widows or orphans. No taking interest yeah, be, if you lend like, money to any of nice, your poor neighbors. Yeah, be nice to people, right? Be nice to people, yeah. I mean, I guess you could sum it up <laughs> that way. I guess my question is, Father, why is God commanding them to be nice to these particular types of people? So the, the question is a good one, Annie. Why these people, and why is Israel supposed to be this way, right? Why are, and ultimately, we're going to ask the question: Why are we supposed to be this way? This is a good, a good thing to remember. A principle that we can always hold before us when we're doing theology is that we should always be theocentric in our exegesis, in our understanding, in our explanation. That is a fancy way of saying God-centered. The first question we should always ask is, who is God, so that we can understand who man is in his image and after his likeness. Yes. Every moral teaching of the Church, whatever we're commanded to do or not do by the Church, or as we can say, the Church of the Old Testament is commanded how they were to live, is always based upon this central reality, that the whole of the created order is centered upon who God is, for it is who he is that is expressed and revealed in creation. And so why why is Israel called to do this and act in this way? Well, simply because God is calling them out of Egypt, out of the dominion of Pharaoh, ultimately out of the dominion of death, the grasp of the evil one, and restoring them to their true identity, not as slaves in Egypt, but as sons of God. And that's the simple answer. As, as, as one scholar famously put it, uh, it, it was easier to get Israel out of Egypt than to get Egypt out of Israel. It carried very much that stamp of Pharaoh and slavery in their heart. And it was a danger that they would then go and act toward others as Pharaoh had acted toward them. But in fact, Israel was called to be a light to the nation, that is, to bring about a restoration of creation in the image and likeness of God. And thus, the foundation of this uh, theme this Sunday, which is love, right? As the gospel tells us, we are called to into God who is love, and, re and we're called to reject the idea that God is slave and dictator, for Pharaoh indeed was a divine figure in, uh, in Egypt, but a divine figure in the image and likeness of the devil himself. Yeah. So let's look at the gospel from Matthew 22. The Pharisees deciding that they're going to try to test Jesus again. And for context's sake, this is happening during Holy Week after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so they ask Jesus which commandment in the law is the greatest and he doesn't mention any of the ones that we hear in the first reading he doesn't mention any of the ten commandments 
that we think of when we hear the word commandment. He gives us, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did he just make that commandment up on the spot there, Father? No, it, it sounds like he did, right? It is no. This is this is a great uh, Shema passage of the of the Old Testament, the commandment of God in the book of Deuteronomy before Israel is going to enter into the promised land. Moses sums up the law for them in this way, and this becomes a very powerful statement and prayer in the life of Israel, and borrows also from passage from Leviticus regarding love of, of neighbor. But as I say, Annie, this is all true, I should say, because because of a theocentric understanding of creation and man in the image and likeness of God. John tells us in his epistle that God is love. And the love, of course, is the giving of our life to the beloved. Gift of our life to the beloved can never put someone in debt to us or in a relationship of slavery or, uh, or, or servitude, but rather one, uh, a gift of life which gives freedom to the other, that they might live, that they might be everything God intended them to be, namely a participant in the divine nature, one who lives in an absolute freedom of love from all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And into this relationship of love we are called to live. And, uh, and so J- Jesus rightly sums up the law, for the Jews standing there who were ultimately seeking his arrest and his death. You see the difference of what Jesus is coming to give and how the Pharisees have sided themselves not only with the Herodians, not only with the political powers, but with the evil one himself. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it now that when he says the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself— they don't seem on on the surface to be very much alike. Love God, love your neighbor, unless you take that theocentric position on Scripture that you were just mentioning. Oh, this is exactly it, Annie. Is it is, is that the love of God is all related to God's love for us? Right. This is critically important in our modern society, in which we become so. Uh, deaf and blind to the reality of the divine in our life, that we need to stop and we need to, to, to reflect upon the gift of life, the gift of my life. And of course, the proper response to a gift is to say thank you. When we're saying thank you to God, we call that worship. This is, this is our love for him in which we pour out our life as he's poured out his life into us. And then once that, that relationship is restored, then I can then live out my life in his image and after his likeness. The one who has given me the greatest gift of all, I am now to live out this reality in relationship to others as he's lived it out toward me. It's incredible. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. And Father, if listeners want to check out what's going on over at the Institute or perhaps... Uh, get in on our Sunday Gospel Reflection Bible Study. Where do they find it? Instituteofcatholicculture.org. Everything's offered free of charge at the Institute. Instituteofcatholicculture.org. And it's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can get all the show notes in your inbox every morning as we go on the air. Joe Heschmeyer joins us next. It's 13 till. 
Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. Central Fabricators, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, custom builds and repairs corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. These are used to manufacture liquids used in everyday products like health and beauty aids, pharmaceuticals, and food. Central Fabricators uses the latest in technology and modern equipment to deliver quality products, and big orders are not a problem. Central Fabricators, ASME certified, and on the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus, Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Joe Heschmeyer from Catholic Answers. You can find them at catholic.com. Joe, good morning. Good morning. You've been thinking about the trolley problem lately. What have you been thinking about? <laughs> I've been thinking about the trolley problem lately. So, uh, there are variations, but which version have you been looking at? Yeah, so there's a new version of the trolley problem that's uh, obviously meant as a critique of belief in God. And so for you know listeners who may not be familiar with the trolley problem, there are a lot of variations. Flip a foot is the philosopher who first came up with it. The question is, you know, you've got a a trolley approaching uh, a fork in the track, and if it if it continues on the way it's going, it's going to run over five people. You can flip a switch uh, to help it avoid that, but if you flip that switch, it's going to be directed onto a track in which it'll kill one person. And the question is, you know, is are you saving lives? Is this murder? Is this consequentialism? How do we kind of think about this? And it's an important problem in ethics. We're not going to talk about that one because it's inspired a lot of variations, some of them serious and some of them more tongue-in-cheek. And this one is somewhat satirical, but it's mocking the belief in God. And so it just says, you're an omniscient, omnipotent creator of the universe. You create some people, place them on a track, and make a trolley hurdle toward them. You promise to save them if they accept that you're the creator of this situation. Are you evil? That's that's the you know that's the critique, and this is something that inspired a lot of uh, reactions online, because at first blush, if you follow the kind of thinking of the trolley problem, where you know some crazy maniac has tied five people to one track and and one to another, it looks like they've just kind of successfully said, yeah, isn't God like that? Well, that would be a pretty stirring critique if you and I were Calvinists, right? But we are not. <laughs> <laughs> we are Catholics. Yeah. So where does this problem break down? Yeah, it breaks down when you really start to figure out how the uh, analogy or metaphor actually works. So take the line, you create some people, place them on a track, and make a trolley hurdle towards them. What is that actually representing? You could say, well, we are forced to you know, undergo physical pain and suffering. You know, this is what's sometimes called natural evil. But if you interpret this, you know, this version of the trolley problem that way, 
that, oh, is God evil for creating a world in which people are going to have pain and suffering? Well, then it would seem like you'd also have to accuse every parent of bringing a child into a world in which they know there will be pain and suffering. That if we aren't ready to, you know, instead which of giving some people like, would do, by the way, I mean, <laughs> yes, it is an argument true. that some people use. But even if we were to go to that extreme where birth is no longer a thing to celebrate with like a birthday, but it's just like a tragedy where we just like accuse the parents. Well, even if you're going to go to that kind of crazy extreme, it still doesn't follow that belief in God spares you from pain and suffering. So the next line, you know, you promise to save them if they accept that you're creator of the situation. This wouldn't be true. So the critique doesn't even work on the level of natural evil. But the other way to understand it is to think about spiritual evils, things like sin, and especially eternal separation from God and hell. But if that's the interpretation, well, then we're not tied to the track, right? Like, God doesn't say you have to sin. And now this is this is where I think you're you're right that there are some forms of Christianity that may say God makes it so you can only sin and then and then damns you for it. Well, you're right. That would be unjust. But even in that case, you, you don't have the ability to like cry out to him and be saved from it. So it doesn't even really work against Calvinism. But in that, we would say, look, we're not tied to the track. As the Catechism puts it in 1033, to die in mortal sin without repenting and accepting God's merciful love means remaining separated from him forever by our own free choice. And so it refers to what it calls a definitive self-exclusion from communion with God and the blessed. And that's what hell is. That hell is self-exclusion. That in a real sense, you have to damn yourself. You have to choose sin and rejection of God over the love of God. That's the actual Christian message that the Catholic Church presents. Not you are, you know, helpless. Uh, you know, you're just going to have to go to hell. There's nothing you can do about it. It's like, no, no, no. The whole point is we have rebelled from God, not that God has like put us here to torment us and then eternally separate himself from us. Well, I mean, the better analogy would be, and this is, there's no good analogy, would be that we tied ourselves to the track. We can't remember how we made the knot, right? It's something we can't free on our own. And God is standing there as the trolley is coming saying, let me undo this knot for you. I mean, that seems to me like it would be the better understanding of how this works. Yes, and some of us, right after we get untied, just go and tie ourselves like, back oh, up again and lay again. back down. <laughs> Wait, I was comfortable there. Yeah, but there's a reason you want it out of that. You know, yeah. the, that kind of thing is, that is much more the situation. Like, we have laid ourselves on the tracks. We have, you know, chosen this. And <laughs> Christ, if you will, lays himself on the tracks and dies for us to spare us the, the death of the trolley. And then all we have to do is accept that he wants to untie our knots and move us out of there, but some of us still are going to say no. There are other massive philosophical layers you can back up to on this, which is uh, there's an omniscient, omnipotent creator of the universe who creates this whole mal uh, morality, but we think that it's wrong. Well, where did our conception of what is right and wrong about being on the tracks even come from in the first place? <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? exactly. So that last line, are you evil? It's like, great, what do you mean by evil? Because if you just mean... I don't like God's behavior. Well, that's not particularly interesting. It, you know, I don't like what God does. Okay, well, if I have to choose between the morality of the creator of the whole universe or you, I know who I'm going with. Uh, or you could be saying that there's some kind of objective standard of morality. You could be saying, no, no, it's not just personal preference. It's actually morally wrong 
for anyone, even God, apparently, to behave in this way. Well, great. Now we can ask, where is this objective binding standard of morality coming from? And you better not say culture. You better not say genes. You better not say evolution or anything else that wouldn't make any sense applied to God. And so then we can have that question about metaphysical good and the nature of evil. But I don't think atheists are, are particularly prepared to have that conversation when they throw out this idea that God is evil. Well, there are a lot of people who've seen variations on the trolley problem show up on their social media feeds and, you know, the stunners that, they, that the meme world produces, you know, the memes that have, you know, silenced the greatest minds in history by, like, yeah. one, one frame comics. Uh, but you've dissected this one pretty well. If our listeners want to go to Catholic Answers and find your response to this particular trolley meme, how do they do so? Yeah, if you go to Catholic.com, it's in the section uh, called Magazine. I just found it on the website myself because it's part of our, our blog feature, which are shorter uh, pieces. So they're, they're a little harder to find. Yeah, it's a little, a little, little short piece, but it's very compact, and it it answers what a lot of people think are like a the aha argument, <laughs> you know? Yeah, against <laughs> God. But thank you so much, Joe Heschmeyer. Always oh, appreciate you. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Can't believe we're already out of time. But we'll talk to you all again on a Monday. I'm Matt Swain. For everyone here, may God bless you and keep you and grant you His peace. Ken Herbert Plumbing is a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. With over 20 years' experience in residential and commercial plumbing service repairs and rated A-plus from the BBB, Ken Herbert Plumbing, 513-383-2974. 513-383-2974. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at FortMitchellGarage.com. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kowarski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. 
I'm Deacon Drew Grody from St. Michael's in Sharonville. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and...